Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice day. Okay. Here we go. Um, episode 231 of the Galen Trombley Show. Again, I, I think I start every podcast saying I need to write that down before I say it. But 231, Galen Trombley Show. Guest today, Joey LaFranca. Um, if you haven't seen him somewhere on the athletic field or in and around town, his name is probably down below in every publication you see. Um, you've... So, Joey, I think most people recognize the name, maybe don't know you, but I feel like some people um, – I, I feel like more people know you than just the name. Yeah, and I think the cool thing is for me, I can kind of fly under the radar at times, right? And then all of a sudden they'll say, who's that? And they'll see me out maybe photo- uh, taking photos at a sporting event or they'll see me working in a school or something of that nature. And I'll simply and I'll simply just kind of listen, and I'll be like, "Yep, that's me, that's me." And then all of a sudden, I'll be like, "Yeah, that that's I'm I'm Joey. That that's me. I'm the photo guy." <laughs> it's like you or a Gabe. It's like you see him on the sideline, and you're like, "I think that's I don't know who that is, but that's so." And the next thing you know, you look in the paper the next day, and you're like, "Oh, that guy was a photographer, Joey." Okay, yeah, so yeah, and it's and it's really cool. And by the way, thank you for having me on the show. I've been excited to do this, and I think what well, we've been trying to set this up since February, so. Really excited well, to technical uh, errors, I think, on our end, but we're yeah. we're glad we got you here. I'm really excited to be on, so happy to be talking with you. So I, I gotta, I want to dive back in a little bit on going back, and then I think we're gonna probably spend a ton of time on some different sports things that you have here. Which, um, again, I, I have a lot of questions for you, and love to see your insight because you in most situations probably have the best seat in the house on sure. a lot of sports. Yeah. But um, take us back, kind of like where you grew up, how you got to where you are now, and you know. Yeah, of course. So I, I'm North Country born and raised, um, was born here in Plattsburgh, um, grew up in Peru, um, went to Seton Catholic for high school. Um, I really like this area, so I decided to stay, um, went to SUNY Plattsburgh, uh, majored in uh, multimedia journalism and newspaper journalism, graduated with a double major in those two things, as well as a minor in public relations. Um and before I even graduated from college, I was able to, I was, I was, I did an internship actually with the Press Republican first, which is kind of where I started to make my name in the, in the sports world a little bit. Um, so I did an internship after my junior year of college. And then about two weeks after I finished up the internship, I did like maybe a week or two of freelancing. And then at the time, the editor in chief at the Press Republican, Lois Claremont said, Hey, we've got a sports opening. Do you uh, do you want the job? And I said, I- I'm not even graduated from college yet. <laughs> and uh, she goes, That's okay. We've seen your work. We know what you can do. So I gave it a little bit of thought, and it wasn't too long. I I, I say I gave it a little bit of thought, but pretty much I was like, Yeah, I'll take the job. <laughs> um, so being being North Country born and raised, and you know, reading the pages of the Press Republican Sports section since I was a little kid, um, going to the you know Cardinal hockey days and and everything high school sports related. Um, it was a dream job for me and, uh, I was able to, to start at that in, uh, 2016. Um, so I, I hadn't even graduated from college yet and I had a full-time job and something that I wanted to do. So that was really cool. How, how old are you now? I'm 27. Okay. So yep. yeah, I'm pretty quick to get to where you want to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. so what made you get into 
um, you know, the kind of the, the at least at from Plattsburgh State, like the majors you went into, like what kind of opened the door, made you want to go, you know, kind of public relations and sure. all the extra stuff. So it's it's always it usually starts with family, right? And for for me, um, my my roots of wanting to go to Plattsburgh State started way way back because my grandfather, uh, Grandpa Pete. Uh, as I like to call him, Grand Peep, um, worked uh, at the college. And he was the studio manager for PSTV, which I'm sure people who in the know of, of communications at Plattsburgh um, know PSTV very well, and they probably know the name Pete Primo as well. So after I would, be, after I would get done school most days, um, my grandpa would come and pick me up. And he usually would have about an hour left of his workday. So I would go back to the college with him, and I'd be in his office and kind of be immersed in the the just the what is Plattsburgh State, right, for the communication side of things and the television side of things. So and where was I, his office? He, he was right in Yoakum Hall. Yoakum, okay. Yeah, Yoakum yep. Hall. And um, it was it was something. So I I, I can't even guess how much time I actually spent in Yoakum Hall, but a lot of time was just spent doing homework. Should give you some credits. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but it was it was really cool to have um, that opportunity. And there'll be times where uh, there's uh, the story that I'll always remember is one day uh, me and uh, one of my friends, we were, uh, my grandpa picked up one of my friends one day too. And we were in the, the little studio with basically like all the buttons and stuff. And we we're just kind of playing around. We didn't know what we were doing. Right. But my grandpa told me afterward, he said, yeah, the, some of the college students were watching you guys and they said, you guys were doing a really good job. And I said, I don't even know what we were doing, but okay, cool. Um, so it was just little things like that that kind of laid the foundation. Um, and then as time went on and I knew I kind of wanted to stay in the area because I, I like this area quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go into journalism. I didn't want to go into television. I had more interest in journalism and, and writing and things like that, nature, things of that nature. And right from the get-go, I wanted to do sports. There was no question about it. Um, but I had a lot of other experiences as well, like some of the, some news reporting, things like that in the early stages of my college career. Um, but then once the platform for sports started, I, I jumped on it and it was awesome. So now, and what drew you to sports? Um, basically, and long story short, like that's what I did when I was a kid. Like okay. I was always playing sports, right? Yep. Um, my senior year of high school, um, during a, well, it started during a summer league soccer game, my knee popped. And I kept playing, and it was it was okay. And uh, then when it was a summer league basketball game, the knee went, and it was uh, it was rough. And uh, everybody thought it was a sprain. Uh, initially, it was being treated like a sprain. I had an MRI done as a precaution, and uh, I was I was about I was about ready to be cleared to go back and play soccer for my senior year. And the day before my first practice, uh, actually the day before I was cleared, they've been practicing for like a day or two. Uh, the MRI results came back, and I had an ACL tear and a meniscus tear, so I had to have surgery. So went up to Saranac Lake about a month later and, and had surgery, um, and I was out for my senior year for soccer and basketball. In the long run, it actually helped me realize a lot of the things that I wanted to do because I didn't realize until I, it's one of those things, you don't realize what you have until you don't have it anymore or you can't do it anymore. Um, I didn't have the opportunity to play the sports that I loved, but I really enjoyed being able to, I wanted to stay involved in sports. So I said to myself, well, how can I do this? Like, I'm not going to be some pro athlete. I wasn't going to be a pro athlete anyways, but long story short, like I wanted to be able to stay involved in the sports world. Mm -hmm. So what I thought would be cool would be, I want to be a sports reporter. I want to, I want to work in the sports world. And that's basically how it all started. Um, when I find you made a good point there, like when you're a kid, every kid played, I played sports. So when you're a kid, like I want to be, I want to play sports. I want to, you know, and 
I, I don't think I was the I don't know if I often said I wanted to play professional sports. I think every kid starts off, I want to be a pro baseball, whatever player. And then, uh, you know, and I always got to the point where I'm like, I just want to be good, like for myself. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, wherever that takes me, great. Um, Knowing I'd have no chance at playing college sports or anything, or, you know, maybe something low level, but nothing crazy. But most kids that love sports, and this is... You know what I think is cool is like now nowadays in age when you talk to most people and everybody's like, well, find something you like really like to do. Sure. Yeah. And then you know, you'll be fine. Like just do what you like to do. Don't feel like you wake up every day and like hate your job. And mm-hmm. I've been blessed. I haven't had to have. I very rarely f- like feel like I don't want to go work that day. But I also like as a teenager wasn't wishing I was to be in real estate. Like mm-hmm. that wasn't like a, a pipe dream of mine. Like I wish I was really going to get in and I don't have a really good story as to why I got in. But someone like you that says like, Hey, as a kid, you could figure out, or as a young person, teenager, you could figure out like, I really like to do this. And now let me reverse engineer and make a game plan to make that right a career where most people, unfortunately, and again, myself, I would include myself at that age. If if you would have asked me what I like doing, not what job I thought was good, but like what was my interest at 17, 18 years old, sports would have been up there. Mm-hmm. But in my head, I'm like, that's not a viable thing. I'm not going to be a pro athlete. You know, so right, that's right. right. Unfortunately, I think most of us fall in that camp. It's cool that you weren't in that camp. You're like, listen, I like it. And you were, you know, driven and smart enough to realize like I can make, mm-hmm. I can really do something here where I'm not the guy making the layup, but I can do something behind the scenes. Right. Right. Um, so I think it's just, most people don't do that. I think that that's something to be said of, you know, even if you're like 30 or 40 right now, it's like, if you don't like what you're doing, find something you like doing. And it's just cool. Like you said, you're 27 and you're, you're in a spot where you're like, I really like what I do. Yeah. And, and people, and again, it's hard if I don't have video for these things, but like you're beaming talking about this. So right. I think like right. you do, and like, he's not faking it. Like I, Joey really likes this stuff. So, <laughs> so you, you end up, you go, okay. So you go to college, you're doing the sports thing. Kind of, um, and I, I do want to spend a little bit of time on the college stuff because, again, you're not too far removed from that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, in college, like, what was your first foray into, like, this whole sports post-athlete kind of uh, merger? So, the first the first experience that I really had um, where I, I was immersed in being able to have somebody who could really teach me about being a, a sports reporter and working in the sports world Um it came in, I'm trying to remember, it was either my second semester, so second semester of freshman year, first semester of my sophomore year, um, my advisor at the time, Luke Cyphers, um, he was the, he was literally the role model that I had throughout all of college. Um, he was a writer, and I'm, I'll probably, his resume is fantastic, I'll probably miss some things, but the notable things from is the sports... still there? Uh, no, he's not, he's not there anymore. What was his last name? Uh, Luke Cyphers, C-Y-P-H-E-R-S. Um, he wrote for the, um, ESPN, the magazine, uh, New York post, uh, one of the, one of the New York papers. And he was a sports writer down there, wrote for a paper in Colorado. Um, he does stuff now for, oh, there we go. We got Is that him. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. So he's actually, that's actually one of the things that's what wow. he does now. So he's the senior editor for Sportico. So he does a lot of actually, you know, do, could you just want to read the bio or uh, let me see here. New York daily news. You can read it. Yeah, you sound yes. like you got a better voice to be for this stuff. <laughs> yes, let me let me let me speak softly now. Um, ESPN, the magazine, New York Daily News, Dow Jones. He covered yeah, and like he covered the Super Bowl, the Olympics, the World Cup, World Series. This March guy was Madness. at Blasberg. Yeah, yeah, he was he was he was my he was my advisor throughout most of college. Um, he he left um, 
for he i think he left the college my senior year so i, I had wow. this i had this big hole right but by that point i already had the job so i had a, my first job so it was great but i mean the wealth of knowledge that he gave me was unbelievable and um i remember just being able to go into his office in times and 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 have like deep conversations not like personal deep conversations but like hardcore sports conversations and not just you know water cooler did you see the game last night like it wasn't that it was more so being able to talk about how to how to report like and he was big on he 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 said you're not a sports writer you're a sports reporter and he goes your job is to report not not just to write about something and i thought that was a really important distinction and when he said that it really stuck with me because anybody you know anybody can write about something right but to be a true reporter and to tell to tell a true story um, he really emphasized that in the classes that he had um, and to really bring it full, full circle here. And we'll kind of fast forward and I know we'll, we'll get to this at some point. Um, he taught the class that's called sports reporting at, at SUNY Plattsburgh. And that's now a class that I have that, that now that I am teaching at SUNY Plattsburgh. Um, so I taught it a couple semesters ago at SUNY Plattsburgh uh, sports reporting and this coming fall, I'll be teaching it again. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and I, I look at it in a couple different ways. It's cool for, to be in full circle. Um, but the second thing is it's, it's kind of a way to give back and see these next group of, of students who are, who are passionate about sports or they just want to try something different um, and they don't have a lot of interest in sports, um, giving them that opportunity. And I think the beauty of, of sports reporting in general is it teaches deadlines. It teaches discipline. There's a lot of things that people don't think about because somebody could say, oh, I'd love to, you know, be a reporter for the New York Giants. Well, here's the thing. You have to do a lot of traveling. You're working at night. You're having to report on a deadline. You have to get a story in on a certain amount of time. In today's day and age, you have to worry about social media, digital content, web presence, all of these different types of things. But th the thing that I stress in my class is give yourselves all the opportunity that you can. Like, don't limit yourself in terms of, oh, I just want to be the guy who, got, you know, be the person who writes, writes a story, um, be the person who does social media. No, try and do it all. Like, try and do the best you can. If you want to get into photography like I did and get into photography, there's a lot of different things that you can be able to do. So Luke was, Luke Cyphers was the person who really got me into my start with sports. So are you still like in contact with him today or could if you wanted to? Yeah, oh yeah. Any t like he, he's somebody who I would feel comfortable reaching out to anytime. I haven't talked to him recently, um, but I know actually I, I need to reach out to him about something uh, in regard to uh, teaching in the fall. So I'll probably be reaching out to him soon. Um, and, and like I said, he's just a wealth of knowledge and he was awesome for me. So, and, and again, so you, you learned at an early age and, and when you like, let's say like the hands-on part of college, like what did you go into for what type of like reporting were you doing? What type of or journalism that you were doing with the, with like Cardinal points or yeah, PSTD yeah. So or? I, I was working with Cardinal points. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't start doing that until my, my junior year. Um, I, I really, I tried to do everything. I didn't rush into anything. Like I did things at the pace that I wanted to do them. And I'm a big proponent of that. Like, don't, don't be afraid to get into something, but don't force yourself into something if you don't think you're ready, because you're not going to get the most out of it if you, if you don't feel comfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. So I really went through the typical ebbs and flows my freshman year and my sophomore year. I got some gen eds done and then I, I started to get into journalism a little bit more. And then my junior year is really when I kind of took off and, and I started, I, I was reporting, um, 
for Cardinal points at the time, um, I, first thing I covered was women's soccer and I have to give a shout out to, at the time, the women's soccer coach, Tanya Armolino. Um, she's been on the podcast too. She's been on the podcast. Shout out out to Tanya and Franzi. So they, they were, that was the first team that I covered like as a beat reporter. So for anybody who doesn't know like what beat reporter means, it's like, that's your team. Like you cover them and you don't worry about anything else. So Tanya is, is absolutely fantastic. Franzi is too. And, um, I think this area misses them greatly. Um, now that they moved, uh, down back to Connecticut, but yeah. I know I miss them to say the least. Yeah. Um, but that was the first team that I covered. And then I mentioned it a little bit, you know, little, little kid opening up the paper to read about Cardinal hockey and stuff in the press Republican. Um, it was so cool because that winter I was assigned the beat for the men's hockey team. Nice. And yeah. it was like, it was like a dream come true, right? It was the moment. And I'm like, oh, wow. So here I am talking to Bob Emery and, and just going in and chatting with him about different things. And um, I mean, if, if people in the area don't know who Bob Emery is, you know, you probably sports, haven't been in the area long. Yeah. Um, or, or And I would definitely recommend looking him up, uh, if anything. But he was awesome, too. And what a great experience for, for, for me to work with somebody like Bob, because you have to be on your game with Bob. Yeah. You, you can't um, come in and not know what you're talking about because he'll call you out on the spot. And I was always able to, um, you know, have a good rapport with him. So it was awesome. So, um, yeah, I was going to say, when you, you talk to coaches, like, I mean, especially as you go up in levels, and you get to the college level, I mean, that's their job. So they're, yeah. they live and breathe this. So um, you sound like a guy that if you roll in, you know exactly, you like probably know more about the team than they do. Yeah. From a stats perspective or like scouting other teams and they're probably like, actually, Joey, can you want to <laughs> pass those notes over? <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's something you obviously, you research quite a bit, right? Before you mm-hmm. go on these. Oh, no question about it. Like, I think a lot of times, so say for example, there was a weekend where, you know, let's say it's the Oswego Cortland weekend for, mm-hmm. for men's hockey. You know, the, before you go in and, and talk with a coach or talk with players for a preview story for the weekend or something like that, you're looking up not only what how Plattsburgh is doing. You you probably if you're covering the team, you kind of know how they're doing, but you're looking up the other teams too, mm-hmm. and you're seeing like what type of trends you can pick up on them, different things, and that gets back to the reporting angle of things. Anybody can write like what a team's record is, but you if you want to take a deep dive, like that's what you have to do. You have to look at and analyze what you are going to be covering for that upcoming weekend, that upcoming game, whatever it might be, and. You want to have an informed conversation with the person you're interviewing because if you just go in and you ask somebody like okay what, what do you think is going to happen this weekend i mean what are you doing like anybody can go in and ask that you want to have like informed questions so you can get informed answers that you can then share with your readers with your audience for the most part and, and i'm guessing like if you just go and say like how do you think you do this weekend that's a too broad of a statement like, yeah so if yeah. you said like how are you going to stop you know the leading scorer in the league you know this this guy mm-hmm. you know and last game he had this last time you played him he put two behind you know past you and he had like maybe like a plus five differential on the ice or something and you're like you know how are you going to minimize that sure or like you know and i'd say like hey you're you know so and so has you know and you again yeah i'm guessing you're going that deep into stuff where they yeah. then like he almost like they got to like strategize with you like yep. actually this is probably how we would do it And the nice thing, too, is usually what happens, especially when you're covering a team throughout a whole season, you form a rapport with that person. So it's not only just 
go in and it's question and answer. It's it's a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think the conversation then leads to that in-depth things where you sometimes have to say, are you, are you sure you want like, are we on the record for this? Or do you want to, do you want to like go off the record for a second so we can just talk? And a lot of times they'll be like, no, I feel comfortable sharing this, you know, that type of thing. But you also want to make, and that's the big thing too. You want to make sure they're comfortable throughout talking with you. Cause you know, at the end of the day, you're sharing what they say with, with a public audience. So yeah, and they have to trust that you're going to say the narrative the, yes. way, the, the way they want it to at least right. be said. Or um, So I guess, could you speak to that a little bit? Like when you say, like on the record, off the record, I realize like on the record means this is a game. I can put this in. Off the record, I'm not supposed to. That's like the very cut and dry way of saying that. But sure. if someone says off the record and they start ripping on someone, and that's usually when the color, like the colorful language comes <laughs> right. out and, you know, stuff that you probably don't, you don't want to put in. How do you look at like off the record stuff like how do you separate the two in the sense that obviously something you hear off the record is going to influence what you hear on the record mm -hmm. in a way you subconsciously you don't even really know you're writing like this but you could have like a little bit of a tone in there based on off the record stuff sure and i well basically what you have to do is this one thing any any off the record information that is shared obviously you, you don't include ethically mm -hmm. you can't do that but on the flip side of things, the really nice thing is it gives you more context to then have those informed conversations that you wouldn't have if they weren't sharing some of those details with you. So then on the flip side of things, and, and this is where it becomes like really that, that hardcore reporting, you might get something from somebody that's off the record. But if you really want to include it in a story, and this isn't for like a weekend preview for a hockey game or something. This is if you're trying to do like some type of hardcore reporting where you want to expose a problem and bring to light some issue that's going on within anything, the sports world or just the world in general. If somebody shares something with you that's off the record, you can easily take that and then go and talk to somebody else and say, hey, I heard about, I heard this, I heard that. What can you say about this? Do you want to comment on this? And sometimes they want to share that because they want to control the message too. So then inadvertently, you might have gotten a fact from one person that you can then go to somebody else with and get them to speak on it. But in a way where it's still ethical, you're not trying, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of this. And, and for anybody who knows me, I'm not somebody who's going out to try and get somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm not a gotcha journalism type of person. Yeah. Um, I'm the type of person who just wants to share the messages that the people who I'm reporting, like reporting for, uh, want to be shared. And if it turns into a gotcha journalism, I'm not your guy. It's, it's, it's gotta be somebody else in that case. So, yeah. And it's, Cause I, you, you see a lot of, um, I, I guess question on this too, like, Facts and opinions. When you look mm -hmm. at like most reporting and most, even if someone's like, I'm going to be a hundred percent factual, it's very hard to not let some type of opinion slip in. And you could do opinions with just the tonality or the way that you use certain words. Sure. Um, is how do you find that? Is that hard? Like if I was to read a piece by, you know, a report by Joey LaFranca and I open it up and I read through it, how much of do you do you think that your opinions slide into it, or are you very good about just separating and like I'm just gonna very objectively say factual stuff that I've gotten from other people? The biggest thing that I always did and did it was was I like this every single time for certain stories? Yes, I would say absolutely. There, there's uh, it gets into that conversation of being a almost like a columnist writing an opinion and then just sharing like reporting facts. If you really want to just be the reporter and you want to share the facts of what other people are telling you, you incorporate a lot of their quotes. You, you, if for me writing it, all I do is I serve as the person who transitions from quote to quote. And I might have a, a paragraph that 
just, you know, says some information about some stats or something of that nature. And then it goes on to somebody else commenting on, on like, say we're doing a story for, um, like, say it's a feature story and somebody won their 100th game as, as a, as a, as a, as a coach or like, like, let's do a major league baseball pitcher or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So other than saying, you know, so-and-so won their 100th game, uh, pitching, you want to incorporate a lot of different things into it. Like what led, what allowed you to, and let's, let's make it a little bit more like, you're not going to write a story about a hundredth win. Let's, let's say 500 wins in major league baseball. That's, that's prominent, right? So our 300 wins in major league baseball. So you're, you're going to talk about, you know, who, who allowed you to get here? Who, who played a prominent role in allowing you to have the success that you had, allow them to comment on those type of things. And then from there, you just share the facts. You don't insert your opinion into things. Now, if you're writing a column based on somebody's successes, then yeah, sure, you can incorporate um, different things that, and it could be interpersonal experiences too, right? So it can be things that a reporter experienced on a personal level with an athlete or with any type of individual for that matter, um, where you can give that inside, like almost like behind the scenes look and share that with the public because that's something that a lot of people can't get either, right? So I think that's the cool thing. So you're right it is a fine balance between sharing that opinion and sharing that fact and sure can opinion kind of sneak its way into an article absolutely but if it does i would i would argue that the most important thing is to make sure you have people's quotes backing up what you're saying because otherwise you're just kind of sharing your narrative and that's not what you're there for um before you put something out to to the world is it read by anybody else proofread or, or it really depends on so in an ideal world yes uh absolutely but it really depends on on the outlet that you're working for and and how high up the 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 chain of journalism that you are like so if you're working at somewhere like uh espn or the new york post or anything like that yeah there's going to be a lot of people who are probably going to put your eyes on a put their eyes on a story but if you're working at a smaller paper there might be a person or two who, who reads it. You might actually have to ask like, hey, can you give this a read before I put this in the paper mm-hmm. um, or put this up online? But that's the biggest thing is depending on the outlet that you work for. I was always a big proponent of, you know, I want somebody else to at least look it over just so, so I can have peace of mind. Because if, especially if you're writing something fast, like I remember covering high school football at, at night. Uh, sit, I'll give you a perfect, I'll give you an anecdote here. So going down to Mariah to cover a Mariah Ticonderoga football game on a Friday night, game gets done. I'm at Linney Field. I drive, uh, drive to the Stewart's in, in Mariah, uh, where I can park my car underneath a, a light so I can actually see my stat sheet and type up my story and then send it back uh, to the paper. And it would, it would basically my, the conversation that would follow after I finished my story, I would call and I'd say, Hey, stories in the, I just emailed the story. Make sure, let me know you got it before I drive home. And then I would say every time, please read it, <laughs> please read it. Just so I can make sure that somebody has a peace of mind. Cause you write something fast. You might just have a little typo. It might not be anything crazy, but you could have something really bad in there that you don't want shared with people by, and not like a quote or something, just like you make a really bad typo or something like that. Mm-hmm. You just want that to be caught. It's just the little things. So that, that's really the process. And that, that for, from my perspective, for working at the Press Republican at the time, that, that was kind of the way it went. It was a lot of times it was, you know, maybe a person or two reads it. And then, and then from that point moving forward, that's pretty much good to go. So when you do, um, or when you did or, or still do, you know, write, do like writing of any type, sure. like, what's your process for that? Like, a lot. What's your workflow? Like you said, like, under, yeah. you know, outside kind of in your car typing something up or like, yeah. Well, now it's now it's a lot nicer. So now now that I'm uh, so I, I left the Press Republican in, in 2021, 
Um, and I, I shifted jobs, and now I'm the communications and publications manager at uh, CVES uh, BOCES, or otherwise known as Champlain Valley Educational Services. That's probably something that people will recognize a little bit more when I say that. Um, the, the nice thing is, you know, I, I'm writing a lot of things for, for schools now. I'm, I'm writing things for, for newsletters. I'm, I'm writing a lot of online pieces, doing a lot of social media work, but a lot of it's just, it's, it's in a much more relaxed setting. There's, there hasn't been any times where I've been sitting, uh, in underneath a Stewart's parking lot at, uh, underneath a light at a Stewart's parking lot at 1130 at night. I'm sitting at a desk writing things, which is a little nicer. <laughs> and the deadline's probably not as strict. Yeah. It's not as, it's, it's not as strict. I mean, there's definitely times where I'm still having to like, say if there's a press release, a uh, perfect example, a couple of weeks ago, we hosted a rural schools forum, uh, right at CVES, um, and it was a really, it was a really enlightening um, forum, just because a lot of things were shared about issues within rural schools. Um, and I was there just to kind of take it in, to then write a press release about it afterward, to kind of share that with people. Um, and the nice thing was. I could finish it that night, and then I came in the next day and, and wrote it. So say if I was working for the paper, I would have to go back and, and write something in like 30 minutes and, and hope and pray I had all my thoughts, you know, compiled correctly. And that's not the case now, which is nice, which I think it it's nice for me, but it, it leads to more insightful re- reporting, even though it's more of like a press release, na- press release nature. It's not necessarily being a, a, a journalist. It's being more of a communication specialist. So like prepping to write a story like that, like what's that process like? The process is is twofold. One you, you go and you take in all the information. You listen to who speaks. Um, you listen to the voices that are shared. You, you kind of try and get an understanding for the overall message of what the evening holds. Then from that point forward, you have to kind of think about, okay, what's the main message? And it goes back to my early college days. One of the first things that was taught to us was something that's called inverted pyramid. So you have the most, ins- most essential information at the top. So, and you have to, and this is, this go, this correlates for any type of reporting. You have to think to yourself, um, okay, so you write a story, you're writing a story. Think about somebody who's going to wake up the next morning or they're there that night and they have like two minutes to like digest the story that you wrote. So they might not be able to actually get through the whole story that, that you wrote. So you better make sure that you have the most important information that you know needs to be shared within an article right at the start. So they can at least digest that type of information. Then once you get the main points of your article done, then you can start to incorporate a little bit more of the, you know, the fluff, not the fluff, but, you know, the the more non-essential details, but still something that you think is pertinent to a report. That's how you need to break it down. So you start with that. You kind of give, it's like an opening paragraph of any type of essay. You know, you want to, you want to make sure people understand what they're going to read about. And then you expand from there. I always like to say, you know, it's the meat and potatoes and a little bit of gravy. Don't do it the reverse way. Don't just pour on a bunch of gravy and then just have a little bit of meat and potatoes because then what are you doing? You're not, you're not having a meal. You're just having gravy. Um, so you want to have some sustenance to what you're, what you're, right, what you're reading. Um, so that's kind, of, that's kind of my process is just making sure that I can file that information away and then share it in a way where it's easily digestible for, for the reader. Are you... Um... Like you're in your, I'm assuming like notebook open, jotting notes down. Uh, now, well now recording or recording on my phone mm-hmm. with, with an app. Um, it's, it's either that, um, sometimes I've gotten to the point now where I can sometimes actually just listen to a conversation and, and just remember a good amount of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then other times it's just 
laptop, iPad, something in front of me, just typing something real quick, just just notes. Um, honestly, I can't tell you the last time I used a notepad. To be honest, it's probably just been like a while. Yeah, yeah, like it's the 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 principles of note taking. Yes, mm-hmm. but uh, I I honestly can't tell you the last time I had a notepad. Can, can you? <laughs> you probably have like. The old like way people used to journal with like squiggly lines. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I can't do that. What's that called? Do you uh, know? Curs- like cursive? No, 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 not cursive. <laughs> you, have you ever seen this? Oh, like shorthand? Is no, what... I I don't know. I, I'm not sure. sure. Is that what it's called? I mean, there's probably a lot. Of, yeah, shorthand note taking. Let me see if this comes up as. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, so. I, yeah, I don't even know how to describe this for people listening to this. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. No, I don't. I don't do that. No. So so I'll, <laughs> I'll kind of describe it. So there's and I, I remember getting this book one time. This is a total tangent here, but I remember getting this book and there was a bunch of just random squiggles in the notepad. Right. And it was it's like it's a language. So what happens is instead of actually writing the words, they would write like. Mm-hmm. It's almost like hieroglyphic, hieroglyphics, <laughs> where you're like you're like writing squigglies. Um, it, it almost looks like like a Japanese write or like Chinese like writing, where it's just symbol. More looks well, it looks to us like symbols. I'm sure A B C D looks like symbols sure. too, but it looks like squiggled lines, and they almost do like a couple humps or bigger humps. And however yeah. it is, it allows someone almost just to squiggle out writing on the page, and it's so quick. I feel like they should teach a one credit course at SUNY Plattsburgh for this now for journalism majors. Maybe it's called. Maybe it's just called shorthand. Speed yeah. writing? I I don't know that the technical term for it. I like how I said cursive. Like like you're an Yeah, idiot. I'm like Joey, and- not <laughs> not cursive. I wrote cursive. cursive? Like I, yeah. Did you learn how to write cursive in school? Yeah, yeah you yeah. must have. Oh, right? yeah. yeah, I was yeah. gonna say they I think they've gotten rid of that now, but um, That's a good question. I don't know. I I think they only Probably not What's I, it what's the opposite of cursive? Like how we normally write now print? Just print, yeah. That was called print? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> should probably know this that. This is like, a that's, very insightful conversation. This, now. I know we, we started out really good, and now I, we're talking about. I, I feel we're like. Do you remember how to do like basic math right now? Like <laughs> getting very into the weed. Um, but sorry, that that was the, my little uh, side. So, <laughs> so now you don't. This is irrelevant because you don't have a notepad. So right. you type all the notes out. Yeah. So once you compile and you have all the notes and everything's um, jotted down, then do you, like what's the process from there to get an actual physical story to submit? So at that point, it's just a matter of writing it in a way. There might be so you, you a lot of a lot of times when I write, and it's it's funny because nobody's. This might sound weird, but like nobody's ever asked me this. Like I've never really given it a lot of thought because I just usually just just inherit. Like, yeah, I just I just write I just write what I need to write, and then it, and then it's done. Um, but I I guess what I do more than anything else is after I kind of take my notes, I have my thoughts collected in my head, and I just kind of start writing. And I, I think it all it all stems from that opening paragraph or two, like I mentioned, like okay, what's my main point of my story, and then I and then I and then I start putting those other paragraphs in there, and it might be a way where I might jot down like all the facts that I need, and then from that point moving forward, I will reorganize things and get it in a way where I think it really flows well. And for anybody who's in into writing, reporting, or anything like that, they're gonna know what I mean when I say you might have all the facts and by the end of it, the original story you wrote, it's almost in reverse. Like there's a lot of things that can change. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't really have the best answer for you on that other than for, for me, I just kind of, I write it and, and, and then it kind of just goes from there. It, uh, it just naturally flows. Well, I might, this might be like, you know, when you have the argument of, um, like in sports, like a technical player versus like an artist kind of thing. Yeah. Like someone yeah. kind of has different flow. Yeah. So you would say you're kind of maybe more on the artful side where you're like, I just kind of just do it where it's not technical. Like 
like like template like i have my intro i have my my outline i have like a wrap-up sentence or wrap-up paragraph yeah. and like and you you're like every story i write has like an intro body and conclusion mm-hmm. but then it's like breaking down talking about like trying to remember the past here like cursive <laughs> intro uh, <laughs> intro body conclusion or whatever the intro yeah so um but you you don't look at it as linear as that. This is kind of like here are a bunch of notes. Let me just kind of almost like baking a making food or something. Let me throw it together and see what sticks and Ex- tastes good. And exactly, yeah. And and there there are times where it's more like a formula based. Like I would definitely say, like if I were to write a sports gamer, there's a formula to that. Like there's a very there's a very strict formula of say so I say I go out and cover a basketball game. I can guarantee you in the first two paragraphs, you're going to know what the final score is. You're going to know what, who the leading scorers were. And then from that point forward, you're going to hear narrative from probably the winning coach, some standout players. And then you're going to see, you know, whatever other details might come up from there. And then by the end, what you're going to probably say is this team will then go on to face, you know, whoever in the next round of the playoffs or like whenever their next game is or something like that. That That's where it does become formula. But then like with a feature writing, so say I, say I did a story on, um, and I know I know we're probably going to talk about this. Do you want me to talk about uh, Babe Ruth's uh, granddaughter story now or do you want me to wait? Oh, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, you did write the text. So, yes. Yeah, <laughs> throw it so, in there. All right, let's throw it in there you, now. You know what's on this. Yeah, so I, know, go, I, know yeah. It's, I know what's on there. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll tell you, so I'll tell you one of my, my coolest stories that I, I wrote when I was at the paper. So... It was 2000, 2017, yeah, 2017, and um, at the time, they were called the Plattsburgh Thunderbirds, so it's the Empire Pro Baseball League, which is still in this area. Um, they're now called the Plattsburgh, I'm sorry, at the time, they were the Plattsburgh Redbirds, now they're called the Plattsburgh Thunderbirds. So they had an all-star game for the league, and they hosted it at Plattsburgh. They had a guest. The guest was Babe Ruth's granddaughter. And I, I saw this and I, I, do you want to say something? No, how, oh. old, how old is she? Oh. If you had to guess. Late sixties, early seventies. Okay. So, yeah. so not like super old. No, no, yeah, not okay. at all. Okay. So I saw her sitting at the table and she's like signing autographs for people and taking pictures and whatnot. And I said to myself, oh, I got to go talk to her. Like I want to do a story. So I went up to her and I was, I was very just. I wasn't nervous, but at the same time, I was very on guard. So I her name is Linda. And I said, hi, Linda. Um, my name is Joey LaFranca. And I'm thinking to myself, you don't know who I am. Um, She's like, oh, I actually read your article. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I said, do you mind like if I just sat down with you for a little bit and we just had a conversation? Like, I'd love to just write a feature story about your time in Plattsburgh and kind of what you're, what you're doing now and why you like being a guest at these special events or whatever. And she goes, yeah, sure. So I'm like, oh my God. So I sat down and um, she goes, so do you mind like if people come up, like I'll, we'll, we'll stop our conversation and, you know, I'll sign their autographs or whatever. And then we'll come and then I'll come back. And I said, yeah, that's fine. Like I'm thinking about whatever you want to do is yeah, fine with me. You're, like, the rules, yeah. you're, you're going to talk with me and that's fine. Um, so I sat down with her. I sat with her for like an hour and I just talked with her about Babe Ruth. I talked with her about like her life story and a bunch of things. And the interesting part of it well, I mean, she shared a lot of interesting details, but the coolest part, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad, but it's kind of cool too, is she never actually, when she was, when, when Babe Ruth was alive, she never actually knew that he was her grandfather. Okay. Her mother decided to keep, keep that information from her because recently in, in that era was the Lindbergh kidnapping. And she was afraid, her, her mother was afraid yeah. that she would be taken for ransom similar to that situation. So she never knew 
until after he passed away that that was her grandfather. Oh. So what ended up happening, what, what she's doing now. So she like never knew her grandpa. No, no, she never did. So the interesting thing was in, I think it was like 19, I'm trying to, I'm, now I'm, I'm a big Yankee fan. So now I'm trying to use my Yankee knowledge here. I think it was in like 1973, I think she said. So she, after, after Babe passed away, like she found out that was her grandfather, all that stuff. But in 1973, I think she said, she went um, with her mother to Yankee Stadium. And she said, um, they, they walked onto the field and they're all cheering. And the, her mother looks at Linda and she says, see, Linda, it's just the name. It's magic. That's so and cool. that ended up actually being the headline for the story. Um, but the, the cool thing about this whole, this whole story was, um, she shared all these interesting facts and her, her kind of mission in life now has to be, has become sharing what Babe's story was, but also she teaches herself like things about Babe Ruth simultaneously. And one of the most interesting facts that she shared with me that I included in this story was because Babe Ruth was an orphan. And he okay. grew up in, the orphanage was in Maryland. I believe people who are like super crazy baseball fans will know this. And I, I think I know this too. But so at Camden Yards, the Orioles Orange, ballpark. Yeah. So that warehouse that is in right field, that used to be the area, that used to be the location of the orphanage where Babe Ruth grew up. So when he got, well, obviously once Babe Ruth became famous, had money back in the day, all that type of stuff. Every Christmas he would go to a car dealership. And this was all information she shared with me. And it ended up being in the story because I thought it was just super interesting. He would go to a car dealership and buy a station wagon. He would then go to a toy store. He would fill the station wagon with toys that he would buy at the toy store. Then he would proceed to go to the orphanage where he grew up. He would give the toys to the kids and the keys to the nuns. And wow. that's what he did every Christmas. And that was, was one of his ways of giving back and then keeping in touch with, you know, kids of his past. Yeah. And wow. I just thought that was so interesting. Yeah. But the feature story angle of it was just fascinating, right? Because she's telling me all these things. So then, it, so this might answer your question a little bit better about, you know, how do you, how do you write something when you have all this information? I sat down at my desk after I came back. And first of all, I'm like, oh my God, I talked with Babe Ruth's granddaughter. That's super That's cool. That's wild, yeah. But then I was like, how am I going to write this story? Like, how am I going to do it justice? Because I'm I, like, with, with reporting, I'm, I'm not going to write this thesis. Like, nobody's going nobody's to want to sit down and read all that. So I have to try and figure out a way to condense all this information, but, in, but, but do it in a way where I can still share a lot of these facts. And I was able to do that. And have like the emotional component behind it. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, she's yeah. telling you a story, but it's... Yeah. And it, was, and it was basically my... I basically... The story ended up being my conversation with her. But... It was in a way where she told the story and I just wrote it and it was fascinating. And to this wow. day, it's, it's the, it's my favorite story that I've ever written for a feature story. And that was for the press. Yeah, that was for the press Republican. So that actually, I don't want to flex here too much or anything, but that actually ended up winning, um, first place for a feature story, uh, for the New York press association, um, which is really cool. 
So how does how does the? Well, that's very impressive. Yeah, I, I don't. I'll and, be and honest. I don't know exactly what that means, but I. I <laughs> it's 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 a nerdy journalism war type of thing. But it's for like the entire state. So yeah, everybody submits stories. Yeah, so it's pretty impressive. Every every year, people will submit stories, and um, that was a story that I decided to submit that year, and it ended up winning first place. And I'm a big that's proponent so cool. of this. Sure, do I take pride in it? Of course, it won first place for something in the state. That's amazing. Yeah, but like, that's her story. So the really cool part was after I found out I won that award. I emailed her because she gave me she gave me her email. So I emailed her and I told her it won this award and she emailed me right back and she goes, "Oh my god, this is so cool. Like thank you for sharing like thank you and for she sharing." She got to read the article. Yeah. Yeah, I sent her the story and she goes, "Thank you for sharing my story and thank you for, you know, continuing Babe's legacy." And she goes, "If you ever needed anything, reach out." And I'm thinking to myself, "Oh my god, this is like this is like I'm like, can anybody else see this email right now? Like it was just so cool. Like I was geeking out and and being a Yankee fan too. Like obviously yeah. that's a huge thing. Um, and I obviously yes, I did get a picture with her. Yes, she did give me a sign. She signed a picture that had with Babe Ruth on it. She, like I got to hold like a model of Babe Ruth's bat with her. Like yes, I did all those things too. I totally fanboyed out. It was totally okay. <laughs> um, but like it was totally against a lot of the journalistic things. But you know at the same time I'm say, like the inner Yankee uh, yeah, kid comes out. It, 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 it emerged. It emerged very quickly at the end and she goes do you because what she did ask I, I have to defend myself in a way <laughs> she she did ask do you want to take a picture and i said yes yes I, I do i would like to take a picture so it was awesome <laughs> um that's so but what i, I again i kind of stripped that back too like and i think this is you, you kind of like took the shot when the you know what i mean yeah. like the door opened a little bit and not only that but you like it's it's impressive, like hearing the story that you're at this game or whatever. This is obviously a total thing you didn't expect. Oh yeah, and by the way, like I just totally left out the fact I did report on the All Star game that took place afterward too. Okay, but so, I mean, I couldn't tell you what the oh, score was. I couldn't tell you who won. I couldn't tell you a name of a one a one athlete that was actually in it. Couldn't can't couldn't tell you any of that. Uh, but I can tell you that I interviewed her that day. <laughs> well, I just but it's like looking at that and saying like, okay, I'm gonna you know turn this like potential thing into something really cool. And obviously, yeah. you, like you pretty much like hit the peak of that story, which is awesome. Right. Um, right. So, and uh, I, I guess from a journalistic perspective, when you look at stories, like how do you, how do you, like, so first off, so I'm, I'm not jumping all over too much here. No, it's all good. The, so not at the press anymore, at, you know, obviously a CVS. Are you still doing your own independent journalism right now? Yeah, so I don't actually do a lot of reporting any like sports reporting anymore. If basically this is the way it works, and I can kind of give you the lowdown. So after I left the press and I, I switched jobs and I, I started working at CVES, um, there have been times where I've I've done some sports reporting. So because that's that's in my roots, like I'll always help out when I can. A lot of times, though, the the press will use me during football season to report on games because that's always a busy time of year for them. And it's very funny for the people who know uh, doing football stats is not an easy thing to do. Um, it's still actually done with pencil and paper. Um, so it's very difficult. It's very difficult. I mean, around here, that's kind of how it's done. I'm sure in other places, people are like, what is he talking about? People use iPads and everything all the time. Yeah, sure. But like when you're reporting on a game or whatnot, There's and you're no service. <laughs> yeah, and you're also and you're also taking photos and doing a lot of different things. You're using pencil and paper. So. Um, I'll still do things for the press at times, but 
Uh, a lot of things that I do now, and I can kind of give a little bit more of a backstory because it sounds like we want to transition a little bit into the the CVS side of things. You, you know um, whatever, yeah. Okay. Um, but basically, what I what I do now is um, I will help the press at times, but my predominant role is uh, working at CVES as their communications and publications manager. And then what a lot of people know me for is the being the photographer for Section Seven Athletics. Um, and it is I got to tell you, it, it's a fun job. It really is. The people at CVES are incredible. Um, I'm glad I can be part of that family of professionals and I'm really happy that I can also still be still be involved in sports and and do it within section seven it's amazing so so let's okay so let's get away from I want to go into CVS and then I want sure. to swing back into the sports so yeah, yeah. or into the photography part of it so sure. you, you go to CVS so you're obviously doing a lot of like outreach and publication and news releases yeah. and stuff are you doing are you still doing any reporting um, that you like on stories you want to highlight or things that you want to try to put out there and oh. how do you go about putting those out now? Yeah. So what we, it's actually, it's really fun because it gets back to like my, my core of, of reporting. There's a lot of things that we do at CVES that is still reporting the reporting nature of things. The best example that I can give is we will do, um, we actually at CVS, we have two publications that we run. We have, we have something called success stories and we have something just called the, the annual report. I wish it was more cool name than that maybe in, maybe in the future there'll be some but that's a BOCES thing so they call it the annual report um but it's, it's to highlight different things that happen throughout the year so for our success stories we highlight things that we have that we are proud of within CVES so this past winter we highlighted a lot of different things and then for the annual report it's kind of the same thing it's almost like part one and part two you could kind of call them the same thing but what we're doing is we're sharing the great things that are happening within our boces and i have to say like being still relatively new there i'm impressed every day when i see something whether it be at cv tech which is our career and technical education center whether it be the RISE Center for Success, which is our special education division. Um, and then we have two other divisions, our management services division, which you could look at as the business side of things. And then we have a, a, the division that I belong to um, is school support services, um, which used to be known as instructional services. Um, we do a lot of things to support schools and the comp- and our component districts. So we, we have our own, we have our BOCES as a whole, and then we have 16 component school districts that we support in various ways. Um, for people who know ABOCES, there are, there are these things called COSERs. And COSERs are shared cooperative services. I think I'm getting that right. If, if not, I'm sure I'll hear from people at work and they'll correct me. Um, but basically what we do is think of it as, as small divisions within a division. And so for us, we have our communications COSER. And what we do is we provide... So just picture things that communication specialists do, whether it be uh, writing articles, writing press releases, doing things for websites, website management, social media management, um, doing graphic design, anything of that nature. I mean, there's a lot of other things we do too, any type of video production, video work, um, audio work, podcasting. So what we're doing right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we do all these type of things and we do them for the school district specifically. There's nobody else that we work for other than the school districts. So when the school districts need something, they sign up for our services and, and they use us and they, and they hire us. So there's a lot of different ways they can go about it. There can be times where they might just send in an email request and say, hey, and actually this is a great time as we're recording this, it's, it's Teacher Appreciation Week. So at Peru, um, Peru had requested that they wanted us to make some social media graphics to, uh, you know, just 
for Teacher Appreciation Week. So we did. And um, we collaborated on a couple different things, shot some emails back and forth, and delivered them five different graphics that they can post on their social media channels throughout the week for Teacher Appreciation Week. Simultaneously to that, we're actually doing that internally too within CVES. So for CV Tech and the Rise Center for Success, um, we, we're also showing appreciation to our teachers. So the schools can sign up for different things. We have our own internal work that we do, um, and we also have our own print shop. And the print shop is a it's a different coaster, um, but it, it goes along this communications and our print shop kind of go hand in hand. And the beautiful thing is, um, well, first of all, the, the people who I work with are, are fantastic. Um, but second and, and, and most importantly, we do things in a way where we are supporting school districts not only from a uh, not only from a financial standpoint but from an educational standpoint so for our print shop if a school wants to send in their workbooks to have it printed they can do that they get it at a at a, at a much reasonable a very reasonable cost compared to using a, an outside vendor um and i think the really great thing is once the schools realize that and once we form a relationship with them um they know they can rely on us um, and another great example is just recently Boquet Valley um, had us print out uh, posters for their for senior day for all their sports for for the uh, for the spring season. Um, so they send us their pictures, their posters, uh, and then we put them together. They run through our print shop. We print them out. We laminate them and they get sent back down to Boquet Valley. Um, and there we go. It's just a, it's just one example of the many different things that we do. Um, and at the end of the day, we're here to support the schools, the students, the component districts, and most importantly, we're, we're, we're really supporting each other all at the same time. So it's really impressive for me to see North Country education in a different way. Both my parents are teachers. Um, my, obviously, my grandfather uh, taught at SUNY Plattsburgh as well. Um, so I come from a family of educators. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, look at me, the guy who went into college for journalism somehow still ended up in education. So it's that professor. Yeah. And a professor, too. So that's that's kind of the cool part of things is I because everybody said, well, your mom and dad are teachers. You know, you're going to be a teacher. And I'm like, I don't think so. And I, I, you know, and yeah, I teach at the college, but my predominant job is it's in education, but it's something within my career field that I still went to college for. And that's the really cool part of it. And um, I really appreciate the opportunity um, that I have. Um, and it's something that's always growing. And that's the really cool part of it. So I, I just I just can't say enough about everything that um, all the opportunities that were presented to me. And and now it's just up to me and, and, and the people who I work with to, to take advantage of those opportunities that are presented to us so, so, so we can support other people. How, um, and again, this is kind of going back to, I, there's going to be the importance of communication just in general, mm-hmm. like the importance of just outreach. Because, I mean, communication or journalism or anything is just purely taking something and exposing it to more people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at, at the very like granular or uh, basic level of it. So when you look at now having done, you know, different, I mean, school and, and sports, but then like, you know, education, there's like, some similarities, but there's some very big differences in big areas. Um, what role of, of like communication in general, how important is that? What maybe on more of like a, like a basic level, like, well, we, we want to know what's going on, but like, there's sure. obviously more to it than just saying something simple like that. Yeah. And so do you, do you want me to answer it in like a basic way or do you want me to give, cause I can, I could give a pretty serious example. I, actually, I'd like to, you to go more serious. Cause I think okay. the basic, I mean, the basic I'm assuming is just yeah touching more people. So people understand what's going on. Right. So I'll give a very recent example. And this was, 
I don't mind sharing this, but like at the same time, it, it, it hits a, it hits a couple different emotions. So I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the swatting incidents that have happened recently. So when I say swatting, do you know what I mean? No. Um, so the hoaxes that happened at like Plattsburgh high school. For, oh yeah. yeah. So that, that, that was, re- so the, the, the term that has emerged from that was, is swatting. Um, so the, these hoaxes for, for shooting incidents and, mm-hmm. and things of that nature to, to me and bomb threats and, and, um, things of that nature. So when that happened a couple of weeks ago, um, there's a lot of things that go into it from the communication side of things. The most important thing is you have to almost put your emotions to the side mm-hmm. and that's a really tough part. But the flip side of things is you have to share, like you have to be the best communication specialist and professional that you can be so you can share messages with people as needed. Um, so obviously that uh, uh, a shooting hoax was it took place at, at Plattsburgh High School. And simultaneously to that, our campus, uh, our CVS campus at Platts, in Plattsburgh was also put on, on lockdown. Um, I locked down or lock out one of the two, you, you can get the concept of it. So at the time, basically what, what happened from our end was everybody within our communications department was trying to do research, trying to find different things, monitoring social media channels to keep up to date on, on communications. Um, and also making sure that there isn't any other type of messaging that's going out that might raise some red flags. Then on the flip side of things, there's somebody like myself who is working with our inner, inner, in, you know, higher ups, cabinet level um, staff members who are trying to get a message out to our own, to our, to our staff, to our internal divisions, and then obviously to our students and then to our communities. So with all of that in mind, um, the communication side of things is vital because you, you, are, you are sharing a message that has to be strategic, coordinated, but in a way where people don't at the don't accurate. Yeah. And don't at the end of it be like, wait, I don't understand what's being shared. And then they get more nervous because that's the last thing that you want is somebody in a crisis situation to have, be even more concerned about something than they were at the beginning when they read a message. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the really tough part. Um, so that, that is a real, that is a real example and real recent example of how our communications department helps out in, in a, in a lot of different ways. And is it the, is it a fun thing to talk about? No, absolutely not. But is it a vital thing that I think is a great service for, for school districts to have as well as just ourselves at CVS internally? Absolutely. Like there's no question about it. Um, so when you take like, cause you got to think if, so, if someone's doing outreach and I think this is what, um, and this goes for a lot of, a lot of mm-hmm. different careers and businesses and industries, like if you, if you have the, um, like let's just say you have the platform to reach a lot of people. Mm-hmm. If, if it's like a you know the Spider Man quote, great power comes great responsibility. Sure. And we actually said that in the last podcast too. But when you have more responsibility because you, in theory, can hit a button that's now going to go to more people than the average oh, yeah. person. Yeah. So when you do that, it's like you need someone kind of driving that car that's. That's very aware, very um, level of common sense, but a, lo- a level of like EQ, like you can understand people's emotions and yep. stuff and how it all translates versus like the, the incident you just said, like that was for a lot of people, very nerve wracking. Oh, 100%. And obviously you take the students. I mean, 
I, from like a firsthand account seeing, you know, like people in our office having children there and have, you know, so mm-hmm. you go all the way to like the mom, dad, kid level to even just me as like a worried coworker friend where you're like, what, you know, and I'm like searching stuff online. Right. And I'm seeing, and you don't know how to do it. So I'm like Googling and then I'm Facebooking like trying, you know, like the typical ways that you'd feel is are people talking about this? And then you realize that majority of the stuff is just people just off the cuff, just like posting whatever they hear first without exactly. any background. So then you start looking and I remember that whole incident. I'm like, people are saying one thing, people are saying the other thing that are like completely opposites. And then people are like, it's just a scam. Then people are like, no, it's legit. And then it's like, they got hostages and you're like, what is going on? And then I think the first thing I saw that was anything legitimate it was either I think it might have been the college mm-hmm. that posted a, their press release and like this is a it was a, uh, a whatever basically wasn't true it was a scare yes. and I remember as soon as I saw that then I was like oh, okay like a heart still pounding because of like everything like oh my god is this actually happening sure. but but then you look at like coming from more of an authority force like that versus a bunch of random people on Facebook that are just because it's good and bad like yeah. anybody can post something online now back in the day even. 20, 20 years ago, yeah, 20 years ago, Facebook wasn't around. Like Twitter, I don't think was around. Like, yeah, I, there was no way I was, I would be able as a a normal citizen broadcast my thoughts and views to a lot of people. It was very much reserved for the, you know, the journalists and people that had the outlets and media. Now that things are the way they are, where anybody basically can have be a sounding board and do whatever they want, it then, you know, you got to really, as a consumer, you have to, have your own filters of how is this legitimate? Is this like these opinions true or is this fact actually fact? Right. Um, so, I mean, how, how have you experienced that where it's like someone like you who I would look at as credible mm-hmm. and you also are in a position where your credibility can be shared and exposed. Sure. How do you deal with that when there's, for one of you, there's thousands of not use. Yeah, that's if you know what I'm saying. No, it's that. a perfect. Because I'm a not you. Like, you know, <laughs> I'd be just a normal person out and about. It's a perfect way to say it, and I think the biggest thing that you have to do is it. it, it I mean, it get it, it. Honestly, it gets back to the reporting side of things, right? You have to collect your thoughts. You have to know what you're going to write a message for. It might be a very short message. It might only be a sentence or two. It might be something that's more in depth. It might start as a sentence or two and then and evolve into much more. But the really important thing is you want to make sure that you, who, who, whatever message that you need to share, you want to make sure that you have the proper stakeholders sharing that message, like giving you the proper information so you can share that message properly. And you want to collaborate with your colleagues and you want to collaborate with anybody else who needs to play a part in the decision making of what a message needs to be. So then it's it's an organized, structured and easily understandable uh, message that you share out to the public. That is the most important thing. Now, to bring up your point of what do you do when there's a thousand different people commenting on something and you don't even have a message out yet? Well, that's the terrifying part. You want to be able to get a message out as quick as possible. So what do you do in that scenario? Usually you have to get some type of message out relatively quickly that at least gives people some type of answer to whatever question they might have to to a crisis or, or anything for that matter, right? So at that point, once you get that initial message out, then you you, you take a breath for a second, not, not too long, take maybe two or three breaths, and then you go right back to work and you have to then put together a more detailed response. So it might be, say if a crisis situation is still going on, 
you would be putting out that secondary message, then thankfully, hopefully everything concludes and there's no tragedies or anything of that nature. Then you put out your one final message and you share it across any type of social media outlets that you have that you want to share that message upon that says, you know, this, this threat has been deemed, um, uh, false. And then you, and then basically you clarify things with people and it would always, we always like to say any type of message, especially with crisis situations within schools, when there's a lockout or a lockdown or anything like that, we always like to, to thank our local law enforcement for working with our schools, working with any school officials for any type of crisis situation that there might be. Because I mean, without them, that's our biggest support system, especially within our schools is our local law enforcement when it mm-hmm. comes to that, because when, when something goes wrong, they're there. And and that's a really well, which important. Which we, we saw a handful of weeks ago. Yeah, and and like, and, and that response it was like was, all hands on deck. And was, and, yeah. and you see the and if you haven't seen some of those videos of of how what the presence was like, that alone is is eerie. That that alone is eerie. And then and and then seeing the comments of what people were saying and 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 the kids sharing things, you know, tech, little communications that parents share that they had communications with their kids, and it's just terrifying. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I don't mean to be morbid or anything like that, but I mean, be very serious, I should say. But um, that's an example of the value of communications for sure. Um, so, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think that the, the job when done correctly, it's 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 like a, it's like a, oh, what's it called? Like, not like a, I guess like a civil servant. Like you're someone, you're, yeah. you're, you're being, you know, yeah. you're serving the well, public. My job is actually a civil service position. So there say, is, it, is it considered yeah, that? Okay. It's actually a civil service um, position. Yeah, because like I said, it's... You know, words are so powerful and like mm-hmm. things that you do. And, and again, there's so many, I mean, this is a form of communication. There's yep. no deadline on this. No. You know, I mean, this is easy. <laughs> I have no script. I mean, you give me this. Yeah. I, I've done a little research on you, you know, right. and I see stuff I've seen, but sure. it's more casual. But then, you, you know, you realize that you do have these, um, you know, especially when there's safety involved. And there could be like a press release because of a business thing or a press release as like a politician yep. or, you know, there there's all these things. But a lot of those aren't even super time sensitive right. where you do have like these things that are just obviously when you really strip it down like okay that's way more important than anything i could talk about in my day-to-day business world like you know what i mean you even just when things crazy like that happen you just stop what you're doing and mm-hmm. realize like my like my job's really not that important you know at yeah. the in the end of the day you know um so you gave me some good stuff here so i want to dive in a couple things just to make sure i'm not missing it before we maybe go into the uh the sports thing. I feel like you've sure. hit a ton of this stuff, though. I did. I have I done pretty good. You. Yeah. This is this is good. Um, <laughs> you did that one, so I think it might be time to dive into the sports. <laughs> we can, because I actually as, as I'm going down through most I, of them, I feel like a lot of people who end up listening to this will probably be like, "All right, Joey, enough. Talk about more sports." <laughs> I like I like the whole well-roundedness. Yeah. Um, Seton Cat, and you said you played what sports at Seton? Uh, I played soccer, uh, basketball, and then I played golf because like, we didn't. Uh, Who's your golf coach? Uh, so first year was actually Steve Moffat. Okay, and then the last two. Uh, I remember Steve saying that? Yeah. I'm going to sound really bad. Um, the last two years, I, I can't. Was your, your own I coach? I can't remember who my coach was. Oh, I thought you just said like I actually coached her team. Oh no, I didn't coach. No, no, I did not. It's going to be a thing. There was. I actually, I can give a shout out to Andy Brown. So he was one of the coaches, but I, I honestly couldn't tell you who my other coaches uh, were. My, my wife went to Seton, so that's why. Okay, she's, cool. But she played. Uh, 
Very cool. She didn't play golf. No, um, I, I we I played golf simply because we are the by the time I by the time I was able to play varsity baseball, the baseball team got cut, and um, I didn't really want to play tennis, and uh, I don't really have a track body, so uh, I play golf. So golf's good. Yeah, that's that's. I love much, golf, so that's a, yeah, that's, that's a good pretty thing. much how I ended up playing that. Um, so, <laughs> so we'll, we'll go. Let's go into the the the. Uh, I just want to make sure I hit the so time reportings. Yeah, section seven. Okay, so let's. We're just gonna dive right into this. I know sure. where I, I know where I want to go now. So, <laughs> the so section seven athletics. Like you started. I mean, I I followed. You know, obviously your uh, your pages and stuff on social media. Sure. Um, did you just start that up off the ground, or was that a previously yes. run page? So no, it, it pretty much was something that was started off the ground. Um, okay. There was before. Long story short, when I got when I got to CVES. So section section seven is actually under the CVES umbrella. It's under the same division that my communications department is under in school support services. So that's how that connection was initially made. So section seven athletics, for anybody who doesn't know, that's basically the sanctioning body that oversees all of high school athletics in, in our region. Um, about a month or two in to uh, working there full time at CVES, I went to our section seven executive director, uh, Matt Wallentuck. Mm-hmm. And I, I said to him, I said, Hey, I've got an idea. I said, I want to run, uh, a social, like I want to like really boost our social media presence. And I want to use some of the skill sets that I, that I have and, and, and do things in, in the sports world still. And he goes, okay, what do you have in mind? And I said, well, I said to make things super simple. I said, let's, uh, let's just start an Instagram page where we share uh, sports photos of sporting events that I'm at and uh, hopefully it takes off and boy did it it was yeah. it was it was unbelievable um, within I think and what, when did you start this what year this was 21? so Jan- January of tw- it was it would have been January of 22 wow that's it yeah that's wild yeah so okay. it, it hasn't been it hasn't been that long at all um, so in January of 2022 I can remember the first post. I said something like, you know, welcome to the welcome to the home of Section Seven Athletics, and it was just like a couple photos that I had taken, and I'm like, all right, let's see how this goes. And all of a sudden, I just saw like a bunch of likes, and the account was getting a ton of follows pretty much right away. And obviously, for anybody who knows, like Instagram and Facebook are like hooked up, so you know, I had the the Facebook page is simul, you know, it's it's connected to the Instagram page. So Instagram obviously kind of grew faster um, because it's that's where the kids are, not as much on Facebook. Um, not that TikTok. Yeah, not that. Oh, t- yeah, maybe hey, maybe one day we'll do it. Maybe one day we'll, we'll do a section seven TikTok. Soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of that, I do have I could share a funny story about that shortly later. Um, uh, long story short, I'll, I'll tease it right now. I I shot a I shot a prom I shot. Uh, prom photos for northeastern clinton this weekend and i did happen to get on the dance floor at one point okay, so okay. yeah there, there was no tiktok taken there are a couple uh, there are a couple pictures um <laughs> but very funny i did my best chandler bing a uh, dance impression okay. so anybody for who, who's a friends fan um but yeah so getting back to the, starting the section seven page um that page started and like a week in it already had like i don't know probably like 500 600 followers and i'm like all right that's cool and then, boy, it just kept going and going and you going. Got a handful, got a few thousand now. Yeah, it's over three thousand now. Yeah. Um. And the like, sure, is the number cool? Absolutely. But really, what it comes down to is the whole purpose of this social media page, um, for uh, especially the Instagram page, 
it's just an outlet to bring the section closer together. It's a place where um, we can share scenes of our great Section 7 athletics and allow our student athletes to be proud um, and have a chance to really enjoy what they're doing. And, um, oh, you just pulled it up. Look at that. Um, so what, what we've done for the most part, I have a couple key posts that, that we post. We have a photo of the day every day. Um, it, it gets posted a various time. Then we have something that we call uh, the Section 7 Spotlight, which usually ends up being 10 photos from a sporting event, which turns into like a game recap of a game that I went to. So whether that be like uh, recently a flag football game, today's photo of the day as we're recording was a tennis photo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and the cool thing is I try and hit up as many different things as I can. Like I will go to any type of sporting event there is I, within, within Section 7. Uh, it's it's one of those things where everybody deserves the like what we call the spotlight. Um, give every student athlete we can uh, the potential. I mean the the ability to be featured in some capacity. And when they're in the spotlight, the kids love it. And I had no idea it would take off like the way it has. So, so what the a couple of things that I've noticed, and you know I follow it and I see it. And one, um, all the photos are yours, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So. One, the photos are good. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, being a sports guy, you understand. Because that's the thing, too. You got to understand, like, yeah. w- positioning and stuff of where the game's going to be. Um, what I find that's cool, well, first off, before I get going to that, how many games, or, like, in a normal week are you going to or, or events? It, like, you're probably I, five, six nights at yeah, least. Yeah, at least, at least, usually once, at least one sporting event a day. Um, sometimes multiple in a day, mm-hmm. um, on a weekend, it can get wild. Uh, okay. I can, it can hit up a bunch of different sports and playoffs and stuff. Yeah, you're pl- trying to oh, hit all the games. Playoff times. Great. Like I love, like I can give you a great example, like the, uh, uh, sectional championships for basketball in the winter. Yeah. That, that's the best. Like, well, you just, you post up for the day. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just like, we were at Clinton community for all of our games and it, it's awesome. Yeah. Like you get to the atmosphere is fantastic. Um, I'll make you laugh. There was cause Clinton, Clinton did a great job. They've done a great job the past couple of years hosting our, our basketball championships. And, um, I was at one point, I just didn't even notice I was in the spot. I, I was going through photos on my camera, but I was sitting like right next to the speaker and the music was blaring and like, I, it didn't like register with me. And then all of a sudden I said to myself, and there was a couple people who were kind of next to me. And I said, the music is inside me right now. And it was just like, but it was the vibes of everything. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was incredible. The, the students, um, the, <laughs> the energy at a sectional championship is, is unbelievable, especially for basketball and being at Clinton. Cause for people who know it used to be at the field house. Yep. Um, but now that it's at Clinton community, smaller setting, yep. But there's nowhere for that noise to go, yeah. so it gets loud. I believe it. So, yeah. and it's it's really impressive. And what a great opportunity for the kids, right? Um, to play in an environment like that. So, I I just love being at different sporting events. And for example, you know, this week I I plan to hit up. Um, uh, I've already I went to a, a tennis match yesterday. Um, I'm going to be going to a softball game today, a lacrosse game later on today, and then throughout the rest of the week I'll probably hit up a flag football game at least. Um, probably a track meet. Um, I'm trying to think of the, and a, and a baseball game probably at some point. So when you, um, like, how do you plan that out? Because it like, and yeah. the, the reason I'm going to say this is because when you go to games and you're like, listen, I'm going to go to a game. It's very easy to pick a game, mm-hmm. but then you're like, okay, I'm going to pick Now I have all the sports that are on the table. Yeah. It, it's, this is almost like picking like an artist, picking a set list for a concert. Yeah. Like I have all the songs on the table or I have all the, the sports on the table. 
Now I have to go all the, then I have to go the boys and, and girls. So now I have two different waves of sports teams in the same sport. Then I have to put all the schools out there. And so how do you manage logistically, like, like there's a process behind that. Yeah, there's. It's so, not like you just show up and like, oh, Joey's just like pretty good at being everywhere. <laughs> I try, I try and do the best I can to to create variation, right? Yeah. So I, I if I, if I, especially during the the spring is the hardest because everybody knows it rains for basically all of April. Yeah. And then the spring season the turns into up. like a three week sprint, and yep. it's crazy. Um, but what I try and do is I look at I look at our section seven schedule each week, and I kind of plan things out. I say, okay, what have I been to? What have I ha- what have I not been to? What's close? like what what can i logistically get to mm-hmm. what and is there a scenario where i can get to like multiple things in one day yep. um and that's how i really formulate it it's pretty much usually what ends up happening i'll be honest is like sunday i'll look at the schedule and i'll kind of plan it out and then sometimes will there be little blips that come up here and there like oh i can't get to that or oh i'm gonna go to this now instead because i have to balance my time that's pretty much what i end up doing um and it, it's 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 hard at times because you want to get to everything and um, you just can't. Um, but at the same time, the appreciation that the kids have shown, the student, mm-hmm. I should say the student athletes have shown, the coaches, the families, everybody, it's been incredible. And, th- and that's really what keeps me going. And, and that gets back to my North Country roots more than anything else is I want to do this for the, I, I want to, you know, if I have a skill set like I do with, with photography um, and something that I enjoy and I and speak just in terms of photography skill sets. I always want to get better, mm-hmm. and the more sporting events that I go to, the better I'll get. Yeah, the more you shoot. Um, yeah. and and that's a that's a big key for me too. Because am I going to sit here and say I'm the best photographer in the world? No, not even close. But I want to be, mm-hmm. and I want to be the best I can be. But I, it's not it's not because I myself want to be the best. I want to be the best for the student athletes. I want to be the best for the coaches. I want to be the best for section seven athletics. That's who I, that's what's driving me. And that's what, that's my, that's really my motivating factor. And it's, it's a big, it's a, the section seven family is a big family and it's a great, it's a great thing to be pushing you to be better each day. So a couple, a couple comments. So first off, I want to, the idea of like the, uh, the North, so the North country section seven being a, you know, family kind of thing is that, like when I went to school, I remember way before the connectivity we have with social media, mm-hmm. like I didn't know other teams. Like you went and played, like we, I went to Shazy. So we played, um, like E-Town was a massive rival for us. Mm-hmm. And Willsboro was massive rivals back then, depending on sports. And, but like you played for like E-Town or Willsboro, like I only knew you by name because I read it in the paper. Right. And then I would show up and then like you had this like chip on your shoulder against every, like every team did. Mm-hmm. Or you went to play there and you're like, screw these guys. Like, <laughs> But then you start seeing like now there's a lot more cohesiveness with clubs and there's more cohesiveness with like different sporting events. Uh, but there's also access to just look online and just peruse all these different events. And it kind of puts a little bit more of like connectivity to it. Yeah. Um, and I find that one of the... Like now, especially in playoffs, like if you see, I mean, I I love soccer, but like even in the fall, like when you see um, like the Sable Valley girls going and playing in the state championship game, mm-hmm. like I, you know, I know not 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 great, but I know like Lindsay and Mike and, you know, you, sure. you know, because they were they're about my age. And great you, people. Great yeah, people. Absolutely. And they had a great, um, you know, fantastic season. And when you look at that, though, but like 
everybody in Section Seven is rooting for him to win the state championship yep. game. Yep. And I think that that and I, that's the one that sticks out because they you know obviously won the state championship, but. You know, any teams that go to regionals or kind of just make it out of the section, yep. you want to see win. And I even remember back when we played, like, as a kid, you might have been like, I don't want them to win. But, right. like, you, you kind of, you know, I feel like most people were probably still rooting for them. And I feel, but I feel like now I think it's better. And maybe I'm older and I just, like, look at it more of, like, a am a dad now. Like, I look at it more <laughs> like, you know, I you know, this is great. I want them all, like, you know, I want us all to succeed in, in uh, at, you know, at the state level. But it's good for the section when we show up. And it's good for the section, like, even if you didn't win, it's good for the section if teams are winning big games and getting to the Final Four and winning championships because it adds a level of, like, validates our area. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've seen, like, with the pages that you're doing is, and I I think by bringing that together, and, like, the photo you have today is, you know, know, a guy from uh, NAC hitting a tennis ball. Like, yeah. I don't actually. It's funny. The one of our good friends coaches t- tennis there, but she uh, or <laughs> for the girls, but I, I think for the girls. Um, but the uh, like, I, I don't know anything about NAC tennis, but like, I see this kid hitting a you know tennis ball, and I'm like, and it also you got to look at like old day, old the back in the day in like the Press Republican, which is all I had. Mm-hmm. I would open up the sports page every day. I mean, I was a religious paper reader. Like, I would open the especially. I started reading more of like the first half of the paper when sure, I got older. But when sure. I was a kid, I was like, send the, I don't want the first half. I want Ditch the A section. I want the B. Give want, me the B, give B section. section. Yeah. I, want, I want to open up who's on the front page, what's the sports, you know, who who uh, who won in basketball, how many three-pointers did that guy get? Yeah, like all the, the scores. Yeah. All the stuff that of we course. flipped through. Of course. And uh, and a lot of times that's where you found out who won or lost the game. Sure. Like and uh, But back then, how many photos are actually in that paper? A, yeah. a couple, you yeah. know, maybe. And what I find is how good you are at getting to a lot of stuff. Um, it's cool to see a lot of the different sports and a lot of the different kids. And case in point, and I think that I was looking at this and it was more of, a, um, I think, a media day thing. But I don't even, this might have been after a oh, game. Oh, that was after a game, yeah. But what the one thing I, I, I really like and what I find is a very big theme to what you're doing. Like, yeah, you're going to Keene. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, a, a, a very big um, theme with a lot of this is I feel like a lot of these kids love seeing you at the game, mm-hmm. and and I and I think that there was a there was a it was kind of a cute photo. There was a girl I, th- I think she was from Jay Z. It's like a softball player running, but she was like waving at you as she was running. Yeah, and I'm like it's just kind of a cool moment because a lot of these kids, I feel like if you know when you play like a like college sports and you're like the national game of the week. Yeah. And you have like you have say it's college football and you have like college game college day game there. days there like like I went down to Florida one time and Florida was playing Bam uh, not Bama sorry Auburn mm-hmm. um, and college game day was there and I just like it happened to be the game we were yeah. going to and it was a party but it was massive and I'm yeah. like this is pretty cool like and this is SEC football and um, obviously we don't have that level here but I feel like you showing up to games now mm-hmm. like people search around like oh Joey's at our game yeah. today. They, I, I, I went so yeah so a couple of things i'll share a couple of different stories um one uh the tennis match that i was just at yesterday i had somebody i had i had a I had a couple of the the pru uh tennis players they said joey make sure to get our good side and yeah. i said don't worry don't worry i got you and then somebody else always goes, do and then <laughs> yeah, always do and then somebody else goes oh, oh joey's here and then i said oh we got to play well now and i thought yeah, that was cool that, right exactly. that's what i'm getting at. so like they, they step up they kind of get yeah, up for it and the coolest so this is kind of when it, it really took off so in i would say in january um i went uh, to ticonderoga and they had actually it was it was you know the big Ticonderoga Mariah boys basketball game. Okay. So 
a couple people from Ticonderoga had messaged me and they said, hey, you should come to our game. It's on Friday night. You know, it's you don't have to go to work the next day, all that type of stuff. I was like, you don't know what I'm doing the next day. But I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll come down. Yeah. So I get there and I don't know. And the, game, any, the game's where? At, what? At, at Ticonderoga. Okay. So I walk in and I walk in and I start, you know, getting my photo, getting, getting my camera on, getting my lens set, getting my lighting all set with my camera. And then I walk from one baseline over to the other baseline. And all of a sudden I hear in the, t- and I'm, I'm pretty much like right next to the Ticonderoga student section. And they go, oh, Joey's here. Get, get it, get it. And I was like, get it? You want me to? Like, yeah, sure. I'll get a photo, whatever. Um, but then I, I, I started taking a picture of the action. And then I turned back around. And like, this was the coolest moment ever for me. Like from a photography standpoint, they had made a sign that said, we love Joey. And it was the whole student section. And they were holding it up and the whole the whole student section is going nuts. And I'm <laughs> thinking to myself, I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. Like that I mean, that meant a lot to me. And I think I've seen this photo, right? Oh yeah. It's so for my photography page, so for <laughs> shameless on, it, shameless plug. So for Joey LaFranca photography, like my my, my little banner. photo business. Yeah, it's my cover photo. Yeah. Like it's, it's I, a cool photo. Yeah, it's it's it, I mean it's amazing. And and like people in Ticonderoga, I've I've had people joke with me because I've done a lot of things for Ticonderoga recently. Like I did a I did a media day for their girls' yep. flag football team. I just did a media day. I haven't shared the photos publicly yet, but they have the photos. I did a photo day for their unified basketball team down in Ticonderoga okay. too. I've had some people joke with me. They're like, they're going to like name a building down there, like the Joey LaFranca Center or something. And I, and I said, I said, I don't know if we've reached that point yet, but I just, my po- the point being like, I love seeing that. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that's happened, so uh, during basketball sectionals, actually, um, Ser- the Saranac Lake kids had made a, a sign and it was, cra- it was crazy in their student section. I didn't see it until like at halftime, somebody came over to me and they said, Joey, the kids made a sign for you over there. And I was like, they made another sign. And I said, okay. So they had a sign and it said, so this has been a nickname. I'll give him a shout out. One of my former basketball players when I coach, so I still coach at Seton for basketball. Um, one of my former basketball players, Alex Kupal, he coined the nickname Joey LaFoto. And the Saranac Lake, that's caught on. And, and the Saranac Lake kids had a sign and it, it said Joey LaFoto. And they were just holding it up, like waiting for me to come. Like they didn't realize I was there. I'm like, yeah, guys, I'm here. So I walked over and they're like, oh my God, he's here. You're the guy. Yeah. <laughs> so it was so cool. So I sat down and I was just chilling with them. We took some photos and, and I, I said, who, I said, who made the sign? You need to tell me who made the sign. So a couple, a couple of the girls came down. They're like, well, we made it. And I said, okay, well, we got to take a picture. So I have, the, I took a picture of them holding the sign. Then I took a picture with them. And like, it's stuff like that. It's so easy to do for me. I love doing it. It shows that people enjoy what I'm doing. And that's that motivating factor, right? So, and and the other cool thing is, so at my office now at CVES, I've started to make a photo wall where like with some of just my favorite photos. And my goal is to just fill like my four walls in my office with like some of my favorite sports photos. And one of those photos that's up there is the the Joey LaFoto sign with the kids. And then there's another one up there with the uh, Ticonderoga kids. And the cool thing that I've done is I, I they gave me the signs and I have those signs now up in my office. That's awesome. And it's just something that's really neat. And uh, same thing with... Uh, uh, Shay Z, you had mentioned. So her name is Georgia Belrose, okay. and it actually her, she played. A, she's played a big role in a lot of like people kind of doing some funny things in front of the camera and stuff. Because she did this. It was during halftime of a Shay Z soccer game in the fall, 
And she was doing this like weird jumping motion where she was like kind of flailing her arms in there, like looking like very, I don't know, uh, I don't want to say like dainty, but dainty, you know, yeah. she was looking very precise. And uh, she, she was like, she's like, get my picture. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, I want this picture. And she kept posing. So I, I took her picture and it turned out to be like the funniest picture that I've seen. And she's just, she's, but it's pure happiness. Yeah. It's just pure happiness. So that same, that's Georgia. Wait, that's the softball girl waving oh, at me. Oh, gotcha. Um, Which I so, loved. I'm like, that's just, it's yeah. just like a cool, like so they small see, moment. So they yeah. see me at the game. So she was like, oh, I wanted to get a hit, but they walked me. <laughs> so when she was walking down the first baseline, she kind of waved and that's kind of what it turned into. So it's a really cool opportunity to be able to do these type of things for the kids. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. So, and, and the, the whole poster thing was that, that I, I just thought it would kind of be like a goof, but it's kind of like caught on now. Um, but the way I look at some people are probably like, wow, this is just insane that like some random photographer is just getting like posters made for him. But the way I look at it is I'm, I'm connecting with my audience and I'm, I'm doing something that they, they really appreciate. And, and that's what just drives me. And when, as you're scrolling through the photos, like you're seeing, but the, even like some of these photos, like, yeah. I mean, obviously the editing's awesome, but yeah, these, like these, these girls are just having fun. Like they're yeah. being goofy. They're, you know, they're kind of like, you got that team sport, but there's yeah. just like a, and we're looking at, so what we're looking at is a flag football photo for Northeastern Clinton. And they're, they're like flexing and they're trying to look tough. And one of the girls, so number 24 in this photo, what day was this, oh, was this posted yeah, April? Right what? Yeah, 24. So she is. Um, she was the one who came over. She's like, hey, can you take our picture real quick? It was like during halftime. And yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. So she's like, guys, he'll take our picture. Come <laughs> over. So they all came over and, and we took a picture together. And <laughs> and uh, they're like, can you take it? Can, can, can you be in the picture with us? I said, well, who's going to take the photo? And he's like, they, they, she said, well, I don't know. And I said, no, we'll, we'll keep it just to you guys. Like you guys can have the photo. But it's cool. And like as you're scrolling through this, one of the other ones that I've I've really enjoyed starting to do. I love the colors. And, it's it's old so i call it and this is like a post that we do on fridays like this is when i've coined it so on fridays we do a post and it's called old school new school so it's the same photo but it's in a black and white and then it's in a color version so people can kind of see like it's almost a throwback photo and then they see it real in action you i'm sure you like the the shazy photo i, there. I, I do ref in the shazy right there um shout out to uh isaac merrill um he's a fantastic player he, he just started playing there this year um, um you know what's funny is so isaac and then you see the Ticonderoga girls football photos. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't know who Isaac was. Fantastic player. Well, I do, but I first knew Isaac when he was a little kid. Oh, really? And I just like, someone's like, I, and I just knew him as like, because I, I knew his parents. And I just, but yeah, he was, he was a great, great, I didn't, I mean, I just didn't realize he was that old kind mm -hmm. of thing. Like, yeah. you know, at the time I'm like, oh my God, he probably would be in high school now. But yeah, he was a, he was a very good player this mm -hmm. year. What was interesting for him, because I, 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 I was at a good amount of Shazy games and I actually, I went to the final four when they were down there too to see him play in his first game because he hadn't really played with the team before. Correct. So a lot of times yeah. he was kind of just carrying the ball a lot, not passing. But it wasn't like he was trying to be a ball hog. Like he just hadn't played with teammates before that much. Mm -hmm. So now to have that opportunity to see him grow as the season went on, it was very impressive. And obviously you have a coach like Rob McAuliffe, who I, I love Rob. He's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not just saying that because you're a Shazy guy. Like, I mean, well, I might I, be biased, but yeah, <laughs> he's a great um, guy. And I, hey, I went to see, and at one point it, I was supposed to hate you guys. Like I was supposed to hate Shazy, but like, I, I love Shazy. I, I love everybody. Um, it's, it's one of those things where for, for, to see the development of just one athlete. That's another thing that's cool for me. I can see like specific athletes and I can form connections with specific people. Um, 
more so than others, obviously. Um, but when I have that opportunity to do that, that's cool in itself. Um, there's, there's those behind the scene things that I have a perspective on that not like you said, because I have like the, one of the best seats in the house, like all the time, mm-hmm. I have that opportunity to see those connections with kids that other people might never have the chance to. I think it's gonna be cool too having you, um, you know, you're a couple years into this, mm-hmm. but getting to see the eighth, ninth grader yeah. go through through their senior year, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of really see the development over years of players, or it could simply be, um, you know, a, maybe a young coach comes in and you follow this coach from their 20s up into their 50s. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I saw a couple of the photos. I don't know this family very well, um, but um, she's runs the day, uh, the preschool my kids go to. But um, uh, so Kevin, uh, j- um, what's his last name? Just got into the Hall of Fame. Oh, um, uh, Clinton guy. Dockery. Yeah, Dockery. Yeah. So, so him, but then his nephew coached the Seton team. Yeah, so... So the, the guy who coached Seton, his mother's the one I know, but... Okay, Keegan was, Keegan was a year behind me at Seton. Keegan, there you so, go. So, yeah. So I don't know the family well, but like I, I'm, you're seeing... Like me through your photos, mm-hmm. have been able to see both those individuals that I, I, I didn't know Keegan, but, you know, um, uh, Kevin... I'm going to call yeah. Doc because I always, I always mess with his <laughs> Just say name. Coach Doc. Is that what he goes by? Perfect. So Coach Doc. But like I knew of him and had seen him before. Mm-hmm. And then, but then you start seeing like the connectiveness of a lot of people and, and then you start kind of following different teams. But imagine if you follow like Keegan, who's like obviously was an ex-classmate or, or schoolmate yep. of yours, you know, and he's a young kid, like seeing him, if he stays with coaching for 30 years and yeah. then becomes a Larry Converse, you know yep. what I mean? But you can see the whole generational growth and, of him which would be cool too and that's the cool thing because obviously i was and able to you know both those guys very well oh yeah and uh the cool and it's from totally different perspectives yes. right i mean we couldn't talk about a bigger age difference between a, <laughs> a, a, a varsity boys coach and varsity girls coach i think but yeah. um the cool thing with keegan was uh, after after the seaton girls won the sectional championship this year so i i do little video interviews after the sectional championships with the, with the winning coach and yep. like there was, <laughs> there was this part with with Keegan where he said something like, "They, they, they." I, I promise I wouldn't talk with my hands, but here I am. Thank God you can only see from my waist up, but from my neck up or whatever. And um, but the cool part though, afterward was after like I I had uh, stopped recording. Um, you know, I just looked at Keegan and I said, "You did it," and it was awesome. And you just share that little moment. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. And then the flip side of things, the year prior when the Seton boys won it. There's this photo, and I talk about my photo wall in my office. The, one of the photos that is prominent front and center is Larry Converse looking up at the scoreboard like as they're about to win the sectional championship, and he's smiling. And for anybody who knows Larry Converse, he doesn't smile too much. Like His nickname is Grumpy. So I got that photo, and, and that to me, that meant the world to me. Um, I gave that to him as a gift later on in the, maybe a month or two after the season was done. Um, and, uh, now that's also actually something that's framed in my office too, because that means something to me. And, and he was your coach at one point. Oh yeah. He was, yeah, he was my basketball coach yeah. and he was the one who got me into coaching because after I, after the year after I graduated from high school, so I had mentioned wait, wait earlier in this conversation that I, I blew out my knee my senior year. So that didn't mean that I still wasn't part of the team. Um, once I was able to get back on my feet and walk and all that type of stuff. Cause with my meniscus tears, people might, anybody familiar with like knee surgeries or, or anything, the meniscus tear that I had, it was very unique. And I actually couldn't put any weight on my my leg for about six to eight weeks. So it kind of set back my rehab quite a bit. 
So, but once I was able to actually get back and at least be walking and be able to do things without crutches, um, Larry said, yeah, come to practices still. We, we still want you around. And kind of without knowing it, I was coaching. Mm-hmm. And then that following year, uh, I was at a soccer game. I was just there watching, obviously, a bunch of my friends. And he said, hey, we, we need a, at the time it was, we need a JV assistant basketball coach to coach with uh, Coach Baker. And um, I said, oh, okay. And he's like, well, do you want to do it? And I said, oh, oh, yeah, sure. And lo and behold, all these years later, I'm, I'm still doing that. And um, people- So you're with Jim now? Yes, yeah. Jim Baker, yeah. Yep. And um, it's it's fantastic. And working with him, working with Larry, working with Tony Bucci, um, that, that- Those that, guys have been there forever. Yeah, and I can say I have spent, you know, uh, will this be year 10 coming up now? Oh my God. Yeah, this will be year 10 coming up. Like this this coming season will be year 10. That's crazy. Um, oh. But I but I can say that I've spent, a, of Larry's- 40 year career i've i've spent a, at least 25 percent of that with him actually a little bit more than that right because i played for him too yeah. so i think that's really cool and the stories are are incredible um but from, from like i said from the section perspective it's it's a, it's the best like to see all the happiness the the positivity um and i i it's hard on social media nowadays to have so much positivity and so little negativity that's yeah, needed but i think yeah. that section this section seven account um does that and it and it does it well and and i and i try my best like i said to try and get to as many things as possible and it's uh it's something that i want to keep seeing grow and and for generations to come be able to enjoy it too um so what yeah and one of one of the things i wanted to ask you about because again i'm old and (laughs) feeling old um the girls flag football it's awesome all right so i don't i don't mind taking time to just talk about because you posted a bunch and like i feel like every school has a team now so when i found out that there was going to be girls flag football i said i'm going to go hard on this like i want to get to as many of these games as possible because i'm witnessing history like i can capture history like this is the first year in section seven that there's going to be girls flag football and for the most part is this popular in other oh yeah it's 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 across the state Okay. Um, yeah, it's across the state, and this was our first year. So flag football is so much fun to play. The first, I played as a kid all the time. Yeah, it's, great. it's incredible. So the first game was Keene and Scroon Lake in Keene. So it was a game was supposed to start at four thirty. It was a Thursday evening, four thirty. Um, Matt Wallentuck and Randy Lozier and myself went down. As, you know, obviously as representatives of Section 7. Randy must have been quiet in the car. Right? Oh, it was a great road trip. It's always a great, it's always a great road trip. Speaking of a Section 7 proponent, like yes. Randy Lozier's well, up there. I, and I, and I, I say, I met, I've mentioned Matt Wallentuck's name, but this the section wouldn't be what it is without without Randy as well and all the work that he does uh, coordinating for Absolutely. officials and, and just obviously the prominent uh, figure he is within, within North Country Sports as well. Um, those, those two individuals as a whole mean, mean, a, mean a ton to me and what they've been able to do for me, um, and, and the opportunities that they've helped facilitate for me as well, um, being able to do this stuff for, for the section, um, has been incredible. So we went down to that first flag football game. And this was the and first one ever. The first one ever. Like the inaugural. Yeah. yeah okay. It was, and, and it was, it was amazing. Um, we got down there and the, the keen field was immaculate. Um, it was one of the refs, one of the refs said, this is, this is nicer than my bed. Do they, do they play at the school or they play down by the water? <laughs> no, right by the school. So it's right oh, behind okay. the school. Yeah. So okay. it's actually a new, I, so 
I, I never saw what the old field was, so maybe it was an older field back in the day. Um, but the field that they play at now, right behind the school, and it, it's amazing. And the mountains are right in the background. It's, yes, I, and yeah, it's it's incredible. So we were like, this is this is awesome. And then we actually, excuse me, um, got back into the car and went back. And that that evening at seven thirty, PHS and Peru were playing in in the the nightcap of like opening night, and I was able to get both games. The first, so I can successfully say that I was able to, for the section, get to every single first game for all of these schools that are participating this year. I got every single, yeah, every single first game that the flag football. So um, Keene and Scroon Lake played, PHS and Peru played, um, Beekman Town and Northeastern played, and then Osable and Saranac Lake played. And then Saranac, because there's nine teams, so Saranac was the team with the bye and Saranac ended up uh, playing the following week in their first game against Northeastern Clinton. So I got to their game too. Um, it just didn't happen to be in the technical first week of the season. So it was it was incredible. And what a what a unique opportunity for for these student athletes. And it's so, like I mentioned how the 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 Section Seven uh, social media accounts like generate a ton of positivity. Yeah. I haven't heard anything negative about flag football. Not a, not a thing. I didn't even know it was a thing until I followed your page. I'm like, yeah, they're playing flag football. Well, and this I'm is gl- awesome. and I'm glad you said that though, right? Because you're you're just scrolling through and you're seeing this. Like I didn't even know this was a thing. So there's another perfect well, like, example. Well, and it's of, like the unified basketball. Like, yeah. And I, oh, and unified basketball is great. But, oh, I love unified basketball. But the, and and speak about you, what's unified basketball. So Unified Basketball is an opportunity for um, special education students, student athletes um, to play sport. Mm-hmm. And the teams are, are built with those students as well as what they call, what they call, so the, there, there are athletes and then there are helpers. And the helpers are players who, they might not be like, they might not play during the basketball season. Sometimes they actually do, but they 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 help these other student athletes, and they have they have games. They have legitimate games where they where they play. And you want to talk about just a great opportunity and like what sports is about. Mm-hmm. It's a teaching moment. It's a great opportunity. It's an outlet for kids who wouldn't ever have an opportunity like this otherwise. And you want to talk about just having small accomplishments mean the world to the individual but also to like the parents and everybody else involved, it's incredible. Um, they also have throughout each year, and yeah, we what day was that posted? So anybody May listening 2nd. to this, so May 2nd, if you want to check it out on Facebook or Instagram, so it's Section 7, um, and, and if you search Section, it's, it's uh, Roman numeral 7, so V-I-I. Um, there's a picture where a Ticonderoga girl is getting ready to shoot the basketball, and there are about five different people around and you can see everybody is just engaged in having her have the opportunity to try and, and make the shot. Nobody's really trying to actually play defense. Nobody's going up there and trying to be uh, you Swatted know, Dikembe Mutombo here and, and, and go, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like you can just see the, what unified basketball is all about. And that's, that was the photo of the day that day because that captures everything that unified basketball is. Yeah, it's just the cool. opportunity for these student athletes to have that chance. And, um, is phenomenal. It, it really is. So that is that is the best way to I think I can describe it. Um, if you look it up, I'm sure there's more of a you know in depth explanation of it. But I think that justifies pretty well. Well, no, it's 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 like cool additions to Section Seven. Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just and, yeah. And it, but it, 
it comes back to I didn't know these things were a thing until I saw your page. There's the there's Georgia waving. Oh, is, is <laughs> that? Yeah, yeah, I just thought it was a cute photo, but because yep. obviously she's looking at you and making a face like I yeah. I got you like yeah. you're at the game like yep. like Joey's here. Yep. Joey, Joey Lafoto's here. <laughs> um, sounds like, yeah, like you said, big Italian family. Yep. Joey Lafoto. Ex- exactly. Um, but yeah, that'll I mean, be I, the name of my pizza restaurant when I when I when I retire. Start doing you know? pizza yeah. reviews, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but this uh, no, I mean I. I kind of look at all the different sports and like the highlight and you saw there was one with swimming and there was one with, you know, um, some of the more obscure, like I would say swimming and tennis. These are, Oh yeah. Those are the, these more aren't your, ni- those are the niche sports. Golf. Those like are the niche say. sports, but yeah. it's like, I saw you at the, um, you know, was it like sectionals? You're there like shooting shots or yep. shooting for golf, which very rarely happened when I was a yep. kid, like shot put, like you don't see, um, Oh, and that's a cool thing too, is to be able to give those type of sports the spotlight too, because how many times is somebody from, from the media main, you know, mainstream media going to go to a a track and field event and, and stay for a good amount of time? Probably not often. So that's why I like being able to do that. And I have the, the, the freedom to be able to do that too. And, And that's the great thing is I'm trusted with my judgment to do the things that I think I can do within, within my own uh, the feasibility of the situation. And I, and I think, I think the opportunity is there and you might as well take it. Right. So when you go to games, is this pretty much like you have the run of the mill of what you want? Like every, pretty much every school, like you walk in or like that's Joey go on. Like, yeah. Do mo- your thing. Oh yeah. There's, there, I, I don't, I couldn't tell you the last, well, first of all, I think it's a kind of a running joke. I couldn't tell you the last time I paid to get into a sporting event. Um, but the, or f- got turned away. Like, yeah. like you can't have your camera on, on the sideline. Yeah. No, no, no. I, there, nobody, nobody has ever turned me away, but that's the other thing too. And I, and I don't take it for granted. Like the respect that, that people show me, I want to show back to them because that means a lot to me. And, and to like, I try and, I try and show people, you know, hey, I want to do this for the student athletes and they're they're especially in the photography side of things and this I don't want to get into a tangent on this. There's there's a there's a competitive side of the photography world. I want no part of that. Mm-hmm. I just want to go and do my thing. All the outside noise of any like photography competitors or something like eh, that's not for me. Like I don't need that. Um all I want to do is just go in and do my job and do it to the best of my ability and all the other outside noise just push that aside and just let it be noise um i was always told if you're gonna let somebody live in your head and make them pay rent and um i i don't want to pay rent (laughs) yeah well well i think i think you um like i said if you you go with the right intent you know if you're looking at like hey i'm and i mean it's crazy when you go through with the photos you're taking like you really have every school to the point where it's like in every location but if you look at it and say, like, I'm trying to capture this moment, and it could be for the team, for the kid, because I know, again, and you played sports, like you realize if you open up the paper and the photographer took a photo from your game, even if it, even if it was you, it was bonus because then mom's cutting it out oh, and yeah. hanging it up. Yeah. But even if it's not you, it's like you, you know, your buddy's on or mm-hmm. like – or even if it's not, it's your school. Like you, you know, soccer might be the girls' soccer teams on the front page. But I'm like, that's kind of cool. Like yeah. that's my buddy, so and so. It's the pride the factor. Yeah, and I think if you if you look at it, like you're trying for a lot of these kids, like it's a big deal if you make the front page of the paper. Mm-hmm. Like all oh, of yeah. them. Like, there's not one kid that's. I would say even if you told me now that I made the front page of a paper for something good, not like not like a, <laughs> not like a mugshot or something, I'd be like, that's a cool moment. Like, yeah, you know, that's and. Um, but I think if you go in with that intent and it's like, hey, I'm really trying to spotlight these kids and have fun doing it. And, you know, and I think kids nowadays having that outlet and having just something beyond the game to look forward to or get your attention with a sign like that's for a lot of like for kids, that's just like a fun thing to do. And like like 
most kids are not going to remember like the, who won or lost the game, but they're like, yeah, remember that photo we made of? Remember the 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 Joey LaFoto photo we made? Yeah, we got a photo of. Like yeah. they'll remember that for a long time. As yeah. will you, and you'd be like. I think it was Ticonderoga. I forgot who they were playing. Forgot what the score was. Forgot who won. But like mm-hmm. you remember those little moments, but you oh, can 100%. capture those. And I think the cool, the the really funny part now is uh, obviously be real has become a, a thing. Uh, are you familiar with be real at all? Joey Mold, so, man. Okay. I, yeah. All right. So I mean, I don't, I don't, I this don't is, have an you, account. You're more connected to the kids yes, nowadays. I don't yeah. have an account, but like I know what it is. So basically, it's this app where <laughs> maybe I'm going to sound like a boomer now too. I don't know, um, but. It's this app where you take a photo, but it's also simultaneously taking a photo of you too. So the person taking the photo is having their photo taken, but the, what they're taking a photo of is also having a photo oh, taken. Oh, okay. That's, that's cool. So the, uh, the when I was at the Keen Ticonderoga flag football game, Ticonderoga, uh, Keen, uh, the whole Keen team came over and they said, Joey, can you take our Be Real? You might not know what this is. And I'm like, oh, come on. I know what this is. Give me a break here. Like, I'm not that old. And um, <laughs> I said, sure, I'll take your Be Real. So they they posted that. Oh, my God. It was just funny. You know, it, it's me looking like a doofus um, taking a photo and then the rest of the, the Keen girls just looking like crazy and just going nuts and then and then but it's because the, your head's like floating in the photo oh yeah and then the ticonderoga girls did the same thing that's they funny. said wait did you guys did you do a be real for them well we want to do a be real now so and i said that's fine i said guys i look like crap today but all right sure we be real i literally showed up on a sunday hadn't shaven in like four days was wearing like a a, a hat and a hoodie and i was like hey, this is not a good day for a photo but anything for the kids you know that's that's what it's all about like volleyball <laughs> like this is cool volleyball football yep um yeah, hockey. So, what's your? Do you have a favorite sport to cover? Everybody asks me this. I'm, I'm gonna so say. Like, I mean, I don't want you to sound like you're favoring, but like, no, no. If no. you're like, I've always been just a basketball guy or baseball guy or yeah. whatever. So I can can I can I give an answer this way? Can I give it like by the season? Like, because I feel like that's the sure. best way to do it. So you're probably like, no, answer my question. <laughs> um, but you had for, to pick one, Joey. For the fall, I would say soccer. Okay. Um, for the winter, I would say. Um, uh, basketball mm-hmm. and then for the for the spring i would argue that quickly it's become flag football flag football it, fun. it's fun it's really fun like this um, reminds me of like the backyard football days yeah buddies like. yeah um but I, I would actually say the the sport that i i really in, enjoy shooting um more so because i didn't know anything if, if you were to ask me this like a year ago before flag football became a thing there i would actually have said lacrosse because i didn't know i don't know anything about lacrosse Same. I still don't. I see no. some of these rules, like I see a foul committed, and I said, "Really?" And then other times I say, "Really? That's not a foul? Like that guy got murdered?" <laughs> and and it's it's one of those things where you have to um, teach yourself, maybe not necessarily the rules, but where to position yourself, how the game flows, so you can get that shot that you you want to be able to capture forever. And really, it becomes more of a mindset. So those would definitely be my favorites. Um, but I gotta say, flag football has become a quick favorite, and it's 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 fresh, it's new. So maybe that's recency bias. But at the same time, I just feel like there's so much that's gonna come from this, and it's gonna grow. You know what I think too? There's sports I like. Like I play baseball. I love baseball. It's slow. Yeah. Like, and 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 then you look at like track and field, and you look at swimming. Like they're great. Mm-hmm. They're slow. It's like start done, and then yep. it's like wait, wait, wait. Then we get the race. Like the actual race is cool. Like they're swimming, but sure. I find. Um, like something like flag football reminds me of kind of like you know soccer or even like like randomly like ultimate frisbee or but there's motion all the time and things are oh, yeah. rolling and and you could say like football and basketball too it's just like things are going all the time so I I always like sports like that and I think I I don't know like I 
I look at it like I never want to play football. Like I, yeah. one we didn't have it at Shazy. I didn't. I didn't. I never. Me too. Like I never had an interest in it. But now you're looking at like concussions, and you're looking at that becoming more like prev- prevalent in, mm-hmm. in that. And I and I don't know if the, the numbers have decreased in people that are playing football. Sure. But you look at something like flag football. Like I could see this easily being you know a boy and girl sport eventually, where it's yeah. like this ends up translating to like actually I'd rather just like play flag football. It's a blast. And, and the part with flag football, and, and this is funny, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll invite you to it now, even though this said, like, I don't even think I, I no, I can tell you right now, I haven't even talked with people within the section, but it was an idea that's kind of come up. So the last week of the football, the flag football season, they're going to do a culminating event and where all the teams will play pretty much on the same day. At least that's what I understand. Oh, cool. So I had the idea come to mind where I said, well, why don't we do a, a, a charity flag football game where we have, you know, people from the area or the coaches for the flag football teams or media representatives and stuff. And you, maybe you have like the coaches against the media or things of that nature. It's like the softball game and before the all-star game. So <laughs> maybe like have two, yeah, two games and then have one of the, yeah, we'll film it, you know, we'll air it like on a, on a tape delay just to make sure that nothing too bad happens. Um, and, and I, I just think that would be so cool, but get my point being, and, and what you were stressing is anybody for the most part, can play flag football and feel relatively comfortable that they won't injure themselves too poorly. But yeah. you I can't, mean, you can't as, strap I mean, on shoulder pads. I don't know about me, but at 17, <laughs> I would have felt like Superman. Yes. You can't strap on shoulder pads at, you know, 20, you know, mid 20. Oh, maybe you can. I don't know. But I wouldn't feel comfortable strapping on shoulder pads and going out and try and tackle somebody no. at full speed. No, I mean, that that's not for me. Maybe for somebody else it is, but, but not for me. But I think the, the cool thing with, with the different, uh, options for photography and what you said about baseball holds true too but there is one flip side to it that i would say baseball you get a lot of the same shot but that time where you get that one unique shot that mm-hmm. it's, it's a once in a lifetime type of thing that's where it, it it almost becomes okay this is why it's really fun to shoot this sport because you capture that one unique moment that you wouldn't typically get so that i that in a nutshell is how i would kind of describe my favorites but um and and people would say what's your least favorite and my answer to that would definitely be I, I don't have a least favorite because I enjoy pretty much getting out to anything. Um, and trying to get the unique photo, I think, means a lot to me compared to some of the other um, stereotypical shots. Because anybody can go out there and maybe get a picture of a pitcher or some guy swinging out of, uh, swinging out of baseball or something. Is he wearing shorts? I don't know. It's okay. So I feel, like we, have, I feel like we have to timestamp all these things that we're talking about. So April 30th. Um, like I, no, I don't think he's wearing shorts. I think he's just really rolled up his pants super high. I've never seen that. Well, I think he's wearing leggings like those. Oh yeah. You know, he definitely is, but I don't. Yeah. Because he's definitely not, <laughs> unless there's a baseball photo, the player's got like his pants rolled up above his knees. Like he's wearing shorts. Yeah. I've just never seen that before. I was Maybe like, oh. I, you know what? I, I feel like I've seen this at, at the, is that co- a trend now? At, no, like at the college baseball level, I've definitely seen some people wearing their, um, Wearing their baseball pants like that, because like I, you see this kid down here, he's got like the stirrups yeah, on. He's got the traditional or, stirrups. Yeah, like that's normal. I did it. And like I yeah. think everybody does yeah. that. This kid's like going a foot above that, <laughs> like above the knee. He's ready for a flood. <laughs> that's right. Like high, like yeah, waiters. Yeah, he's, he's got high water pants. On. Yeah. Um. So, okay. So favorite sport, least favorite sport. I think. And and again, I think for you, it's like if you enjoy sports and you, because all of it's the same. It's like you're, if you're not you're not capturing the sport, you're capturing the moment, you're capturing yeah. the players, you're capturing like all the the stuff that's bigger than the sport. And I think that's why like any sport would have that competitiveness or just the player like succeeding. Um, couple couple questions. Um, sure. What is your what has been your favorite 
sport moment to cover mm. so far. Um, and let's start actually two, two things. I don't want to not ask the second one. So okay. favorite sports moment that you've had so far as, um, this could be a writer, this could be a photographer, this could be whatever you sure. get to pick. And then number two is what influence wise, um, you mentioned, you know, your old advisor mm-hmm. early on, what other influence or who other, who else has influenced you or maybe anybody that like is known, like a known name that you could say like, well, this person's like influenced, whether they're a reporter or whether they're a journalist yeah. um, on maybe on the professional or, or college, but like a full-time sports reporter kind of writing. Yeah. Oh, good question. So I'll answer the, I'll answer the influencer type of aspect of things first. So are you asking like somebody who's already in the journalism world or something like that who's influenced me? Someone that you look up to in your field, and it could be someone on the local level. Most people are like, well, influence would be like, let's say you were announcing sports. I like Jim Nance. Yeah. Or, but it could be, but again, I'm kind of going with like, I got you. I got you. So I did like something yeah. like that. Like if you said like, do I have a influence like business person? I would like, yeah, these people are people I follow that are like yeah. influence me or I try to replicate or. So the person that comes to mind and yes, I've mentioned that I'm a Yankee fan and some people probably hate him, but the person who, cause, cause he does a lot of other things that people might not realize. It's actually Michael K. Okay. That, that was the, per, like, that was the person being a young, I didn't realize it at the time, but listening to Michael K, he's been a voice in my whole childhood watching Yankee games and stuff. Right. And he's, and he still is, but a lot of people don't know maybe the whole backstory to him. He also hosts a radio show. Mm -hmm. He started out as a reporter. Like that was the first thing that he did. He worked at the New York post. How How do you spell his last name? K A Y. Okay. Um, and from a, from a very figurehead standpoint, that was somebody who's definitely serves as an inspiration. Now, am I going to sit here and say that I wanted to be the, the voice of the New York Yankees like Michael K? No, I, I didn't have that type of interest, but I appreciated the skill sets and the drive. And as I've gotten older, I can really appreciate what he's been able to do um, because he's had quite a long career. And I think it's somebody who, from my point of view, obviously he he held interest in somebody. He, he was in a position for a team that I rooted for. And I listened to so many games. I mean, the amount of games that I watched as a kid, whether it be sitting with my mom or dad, my grandma or grandpa or, or friends or, or whoever, Michael K was the voice that we were all were hearing. And for me to know his background in sports and to know what I wanted to do at, at the time, obviously, um, that would, that would probably be like my inspiration on, on that level. Um, then on the the more local level, I I I can't I can't it is it, it's Luke Cyphers like I said that that is my that is my that's my person who really inspired me in a lot of different ways and, and gave me the help that I need. Um, and if I want to go more of like the sentiment sentimental route, um, my grandfather is a is a big is a big part of it. Um, he actually he worked at a uh, Channel Five uh, way back in the day before he started working at the college. Um, so even he was in, see, he's the person who I can, I could always have a conversation with and I could say, Oh, had a late night last night, blah, 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 blah. And I'm talking to him like he doesn't understand. And he goes, yeah, I got you. I, 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 I do understand. Um, at 2am pizza run or something. Yeah. And, and he can understand that type of, and he can understand that type of thing. Um, really funny little backstory. So in my parents' basement, um, there's this giant, uh, I, I, (laughs) There's this giant letter P in my parents' basement. And <laughs> this is it's just a little funny story. Um, when Channel 5 moved 
from the building that is now, what is it now? It was Eckerd's and it was Rite Aid and is it a family dollar now? It's on Route 3. It's right next to Starbucks, whatever that place is next to Starbucks. Okay. Um, that used to be where Channel 5 was. So when that building came down, they took the WPTZ down and they, I think the story is they gave the P to my grandfather because his name was Pete and they thought it would be funny. So that's just there now. And it's just in my parents' so basement. So this is the one on the corner with like... Um, yeah. Like right across from Roadhouse. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. So way, way back in the day. Okay. So needless to say though, my, my grandfather has been somebody who was definitely an inspiration. And that goes back to like I had mentioned way earlier in our conversation about, you know, going back to work with him at the college when he picked me up after school. Um and just from a work ethic standpoint, my mom and dad play a big role in it too. Um, and especially now more so. And I think it's kind of cool because I'm I'm almost in some capacity like following and filling in their shoes in different ways, but just at different parts of my life. Mm-hmm. Like I walked in my grandfather's shoes to a certain extent at one point. Now I'm kind of walking <laughs> in my mom and dad's shoes to a certain extent, like, but in my own way. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the neat part of it. Um, so that answers that question. Now, my favorite sports moment. So you actually already mentioned it. Do you want to take a guess? Is it the Babe Ruth one? No. Oh. No. You, you did mention it. I was okay. going, I, but I didn't want to cut you off because we were in a good flow. Okay. The uh, Sable Valley girls winning a state championship. Okay. So super sentimental backstory to this was that was the last sporting event that I covered as a full-time reporter for the Press Republican. Oh, Perfect. I mean, like, yeah, yeah it was, it was, it was the way to go out. So I had already known that I was going to be changing jobs and I was going to be going to CVS and I, I was super excited. Um, but I went and covered the, fi- I went and covered the final four for Ross Able Valley. And it was funny because Saranac had also made the final four that year and everybody thought yep. Sar- Saranac was going to be the team that would make a run. Correct. Yeah. So they lost to Bronxville. And then I, the, there were two games. One was being played at, at Cortland High School, mm-hmm. and the other was being played at... Was it Homer? Homer, yes. So I got to the game. It was right before the game started. I, I barely got there in time. for the, So this was for the semifinal. And it snowed, rained, hailed, everything you could imagine. Um, and they won. And they, they won pretty handily. So afterward, I was talking with Lindsey Douglas... And I said, I got something to tell you. I said, not a lot of people know this. I said, can you keep a, can you keep this on the down low? And she goes, yeah, sure. What's wrong? And I said, well, nothing's wrong. And I said, but I'm, this is my, this, these are going to be like my last things that I'm covering for you at the paper. And she goes, where are you going? And I said, I'm, I'm going to CVS. And she goes, oh my God, that's, that's so great. Like she was super happy for me. She was sad that I was leaving the paper because, you know, I had covered, I, I had actually covered that team like the first time they had won a sectional championship with her as a coach. Like I've seen a lot of those. And that's a cool thing being a reporter in the sports world. You get to see teams have those natural moments. So I said to her, I said, you better send me off with a state championship story. And the next day they did. And it was great the, goal, late it, goal too. Yeah. It was like a minute and three seconds left. Yeah. And it was a young girl too. That yeah, Cam Bazile. Yeah, Cam Bazile. Um, and uh, I got the the. There's a couple different pictures that one one picture. Well, two two pictures are on my office wall. So I keep mentioning the office. <laughs> I'll have to like. We'll somehow have to convey what the office wall looks like now. Um, Just send me Snapchats. Yeah, I'll put them up. Yeah. Um, but I the cool thing was the celebration of the goal. And the emotion, the raw emotion was fantastic. And then it was only a minute and three seconds between the goal 
and the the actual celebration of winning a state championship mm-hmm. i had i had covered one state championship before when she's the shazy boys their most recent state championship yep. i believe i think it's their most recent yeah it's their most recent one um so after and that's another favorite moment but the Osable one is and maybe it's a recency bias thing but afterward i look i said to Lindsay, i said you did it you sent me off i got i got a state championship story to write and it was it was super cool and some of the photos that came from it um there's one specific one that it was a total accident but it's the coolest photo that i took the whole time it has nothing to do with action it has nothing to do with any type of thing that happened during the game it was after the game it's Lindsay, and it's you can only see her back and her jacket, and she's hugging Jillian Bazayo, and Jill is is crying tears of joy, and Lindsay is looking out, and in the background you can see Lindsay looking, so she's hugging Jill, and she's looking out, and in the distance you can see the scoreboard with one nothing. I'll say Valley wins this uh, state championship, and that photo is like one of my all time favorites. Yeah, it's cool. I was just in Osable Valley a couple of weeks ago. I didn't know this until just a couple of weeks ago. That's on the wall. Like, really? Oh, yeah. They hung it? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's one of my favorite photos. Now it's up in the school. And wall. it was your photo? Or yeah. You... Oh, yeah, it's my photo. Um, and it's it's just super cool. It's, it's And it ran in the paper. Um, and it's it's one of the coolest photos that, that, I've, that, I, that I took from that. And it's just one of my favorite photos ever. Like, it, it, it got a... I always say, like, when a photo gets a post of its own and there's no other photos with it, like, you know, I know it. I think it's a cool photo. So that got a f- post of its own and it, it was amazing. So that's my, that's one of my all time favorite moments for sure. And just getting to share those moments, um, it's, it's incredible. And seeing the happiness on those girls' faces was, it, it's, unless you're there and you're like talking to the girls afterward and you're like really experience it, yeah, you just, you just don't know. And it's, it, it's, it's something that you, it's something that I will never forget for sure. It's um, like, yeah, I mean that, that it was cool watching it cause we watched on, we were streaming it. Like, yeah. And of course, like I said, my, my was wife that was that when NFHS, did that exist yet? Or were you streaming on no, something else? No, I think, I think it, was. it was. Yeah. Okay. A new school enough to figure yeah. that out. But yeah, they, <laughs> um, no, like I said, me and my wife were both in, in the soccer and we, uh, you know, we were following it and Gina yep. played at Plattsburgh with, uh, well, I think she, she, she was older than Lindsay, but they both played there and, uh, um, so we were like definitely following it and everything else, but you know, you look at, and like, I was lucky enough to be involved with a lot of the Shazy championships. So it's like, you just, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you see the hard work. And then like you said, if you, and you mentioned back when you were interviewing, um, uh, Keegan with the, like you did yeah. it and you kind of see this, like, because you look at a lot of it, like sports are a long season especially yeah. when you're in the winter sports season like that's winter, a, winter is a haul of a that season. is yeah and I, I did a couple basketball coaching basketball and sure i'm um, actually coached against uh coach baker there probably oh, just you? before you got in there oh nice um but the uh yeah i mean you you look at that and you know you kind of look at how much goes into those programs and you know it's really you do it for the love of the sport, you know, you're not, no these question. are side gigs for all these people or, or teachers. It's like mm-hmm. an after school thing that you're putting time you in. You mean and, to tell me that we don't get a full salary that we can live off of? Oh, coaching? they haven't told you that yet? No, no. I, my God. The, the, uh, that's news to me. That's, <laughs> I was going to say your, your, uh, your royalty checks are coming in the mail. Yes. Way, I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, I feel like there'll be a couple Christmases before those come. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> so you, you look at like just the old, like the, you've hit the peak or you've hit the pinnacle and, and, you know, when you play sports too, like you mentioned sectional, um, like basketball, like 
I, I mean, we played, I played um, soccer and we won a couple of state championships and those are like awesome. Yeah. But I also won a sectional basketball title, which if you go through the Shazy record books. That's rare. Thank you. It's a very, it's yes. a very rare feat. We yeah. haven't won one since. And this was, I mean, we're talking well over 15, 20 years. Yeah. Of, yeah. Going probably 15 years. Um, but the moment of winning in the field house with the atmosphere of the mm-hmm. field house, like that's something that you're in. I just remember that year we worked so hard, but winning a sectional basketball title at Shay-Z is like a soccer, it's like, it's like winning a state championship in the sense of like how hard we had to work to earn that. And I'm not saying you work hard. We worked extremely hard in, in yeah. soccer, but it was one of those, like you get those moments where you just, you basically over excelled probably what you should have done. And mm-hmm. we tapped out like our potential, which as basketball players wasn't, very high right. the ceiling wasn't super high there <laughs> uh but we ended up like doing that but those moments stick in your head because it's such a long season and you realize like you but you form these bonds with these you know your teammates and your coaches and and even just like people like you you play yeah. well and you mentioned like seeing even just journalists at the game or seeing photographers or seeing just certain refs like it's cool or people just in the crowd that just like going to sports and if you're playing well i remember there was a couple games we played in basketball and these like random, like we just started getting more people at our games. I'm like, this is odd, but it was because you were playing well. And like these people just wanted to see good basketball teams. Yep. And, and like you said, that speaks to the area, not not necessarily the, the specific team, but more of the uh, like, hey, I like watching good basketball teams. And then, but obviously those people don't usually go to Shay-Z. But you see them <laughs> at like our big games because we were doing well. And next thing you know, it's like we were selling, let's say selling out. Like our stands were packed for basketball games, sure. which never happens. But that's like a standing room only at Chasey. Yeah, which yeah. again only happened a couple of times. <laughs> but this is like those are moments that you have where you see a lot of these kids and like what they accomplish, or you win a sectional. It's like mm. and and to understand like I I don't know what it's like to win a baseball sectional or football sure. sectional, but you can put in perspective of you know having did that as a player. Like there's a lot that goes into that, and there's like the dynamics of of athletes and coaches and the season and just you know and you're dealing with kids you're not dealing with you know these kids are still developing and still trying to put two and two together and like maybe like my girlfriend or boyfriend broke up with me at school now i'm Mm -hmm. carrying that to a game and like kids have all these life things are balancing or like and they're trying to decide on colleges they're just handling academics all those type of things is is and a perfect example i could give you is just yesterday um i had a there was a yesterday i was last week um there was a can't remember who it was now some student athlete said oh i'm gonna totally fail my social studies test tomorrow i forgot we had that and it's just like this is where it gets put into perspective of this is not the only like i might see them a lot of times on 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 a sporting on a a field or or a court or a, a ice hockey rink or something like that but the thing that stands out more than anything else is the sports are an outlet for the kids to I, I i always said sports are a great thing for time management i don't know what you think about that but i, I always Absolutely. i always i always found myself actually more organized um when it was in 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 a season than it was when it was like the short time in between seasons or something like that so i think that's something that's really big and another thing that you said that i think holds really true is when f- for any of these students when they're involved in uh, in any type of sport it takes that dedication and it teaches them a lot of different things that they can take to later in life. Um, and, and I think another big thing too is for, for me, from my perspective, whether it was when I was a reporter or now strictly pretty much just as a photographer, one of my mindsets is always, I'm always going to be capturing some type of history. 
And I always kind of think to myself, and this is kind of like the geeky thing, but it's kind of cool too. I always say to myself, I wonder how this is going to be remembered. I wonder how, what, what, I wonder what photos I can get and how I can make people remember this too. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's things like that, that you could say in one sense, it almost adds a little bit of pressure because you want to make sure you capture those memories for people to have. Um, but then on the flip side of things, you just want to also enjoy the moment. You don't want to feel, you don't want to feel so obligated that you almost forget why you're there. Because there is an enjoyment factor of being at a sporting event too, whether it be as a as a competitor, whether it be as a spectator, whether it be as a coach, whether it be as a photographer, whatever it might be. Sports are entertainment. Mm-hmm. And it's, for lack of better words, it's the candy store. There are a lot of other things in life where there's, you know, a loss is a loss and it's going to hurt because you dedicate yourself to something. But when you leave that field, you think to yourself, there's a lot, I could be in a lot worse positions than I am, even if I lost at a, at a game or, or, or a match or a meet or anything like that. And I think that always puts something into reality check. But that's why on the flip side of things, it's always so important to have sports too, simply because of the fact that you need to have those type of outlets so the kids can remain positive. And, and you know, talking about a mental health side of things too, that's become a very prominent thing nowadays. And with mental health, that sports are a great outlet. And I think that's become something that's been emphasized too. We actually just last week was Mental Health Awareness Week. And we did spotlight, our, actually our Section 7 Student Athlete Council uh, made a ton of mental health awareness tips that they, they made on their own. And this is a great example. Of, yeah, you posted of, some of them here. Yeah. So last week, so if you look at anything from what, it, what would have been May, I think it's actually literally May 1st to May 5th. Um, we posted different things from our student athlete advisory committee that they totally made on their own. It was mental health tips, just different things that they wanted to share as from a student athlete perspective. Um, yeah, and that one, that's perfect. Yeah. So, uh, Matt Bolris from Northern Adirondack, he had, he had, uh, his message was my tip is to remember to make sports fun. It's easy to get lost in the competition aspects and you forget to enjoy yourself and make memories with your friends. I mean, yeah, sums that, it up. that's sports yeah that that's everything and that's that's a great mental health tip um and i think it's something that you have you have to almost slow down to remember those type of things um but that's the cool thing about this platform too is um aiden pearl who goes to seton catholic he had reached out to me and he said hey we have these we have these graphics uh, that we want to run on the social media page and i said of course like what what do you have and he sent those to me and i said we will a hundred percent run these. He goes, yeah, I said, do you need, I said, do you need any help from me? And he goes, no, we've got everything under control. Can you just post them? I said, absolutely. Is that Liz's son? Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So Aiden, Aiden's, Aiden's great. He's, he's a great kid. Um, and, uh, when he had reached out to me, I said, Aiden, whatever you need, just let me know. And I said, if you do end up needing more help from me, don't think that you're, you're troubling me or anything like that. I will gladly help you with whatever you need. Um, so not only has this become an outlet where I'm sharing photos of sporting events that I'm going to, it's also a, an outlet that that the student athletes are now using. And I told Aiden, because uh, he's only a junior, so he'll be a senior next year. Um, so he'll still play a prominent factor within sex, the Section 7 uh, scheme. And I said, you know, think about different ways where you and the Student Athlete Advisory Committee and, and any other student athletes, think of ways you want to use this platform because it's it's there for you guys. It's not there for me. I might be the person who's uploading a lot of content to it, but it's it's yours. And I can't stress that enough. I think it's cool that um, that that the students are using you as like almost like a teammate in all this. Like oh yeah, it's kind of it's, and I think that's what you know. 
this was never really around. I think the closest we had to this was like hometown cable. Yep. You know, and then you could also say like, you know, I know there was more like Plattsburgh region kind of um, sure. stuff. But if you um, like, we, I was more like Northern Tier. So we, you know, Calvin was always there. Sam Castine, they were doing mm -hmm. it. But um, you know, we didn't really have the digital media perspective is what we have now. So. But you see this and like kids wanting to use this space. But again, it's as a collective. It's like, hey, can we do this with everybody? And it's kind of – and I think that you having more of the cohesiveness of everybody where you still want the competition. You still want to beat the team across. But it's like at the end of the day, it's like you realize that sports are a piece of your life. They're not mm -hmm. your life. You don't – like people don't identify as an athlete. Like at the end of the day, you play sports. And I think kids are starting to learn that it's like, hey, this is like, yeah, make the memories with the kid, my friends. Have fun. Mm -hmm. You know, learn life lessons. Learn how to work with other people. Um but I, th I think this stuff is pretty cool. Like, you know, it's definitely an evolution of like when we played, which was pretty much go to sports, try to bash in the other team. And then, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, you know, yeah. And if you didn't, you'd like, you, you know what I mean? It's like you, you just had that like chip on your shoulder. But and you and you talk about like making the memories, too, and, and everything. And, and the cool the cool part of this has been so with with my photography, one of the things I do is I, I have I have my own like photography website where I where I post all, all the photos that I take. They're up on my photo website. I just run it through a Smug Mug account. It's just joylafranca.smugmug.com. And people can Good go like and, and go and can go, yeah, joylafranca.smugmug.com. Um, but people can go on there and and get anything they want. And it's it's theirs to have. Like I want people to be able to have that. Um, and and through through all these things that I've done. Um, it set up different opportunities for me to do, you know, sports portraits, senior photos this coming summer. My summers become busier and busier, but I'm really excited for it. Um, and that's the cool thing too, is I'm venturing out into things that might not be exactly like sports centered, mm -hmm. but a lot of the connections that I'm making are, are through sports through section seven and through sports in general. So I think that's, what's really cool. Um, and I, I hope that moving forward like i said with the section account it just keeps growing because i think there's so much potential there yeah and it's and as as long as the kid it's it's all driven by the kids at the end of the day because you and i both know some random person can always post photos but it's a matter of if the kids have the attention for it that that's what's going to drive it and i think that's what you're getting you're getting it back by the athletes yeah you know and i think that that speaks speaks volumes to just kind of like a third account they're like oh that's so and so just doing it as a hobby but sure. then like if everybody had to pick like no nah, this this is like this is like the Billboard Hot 100 charts. Like I want to be on oh, yeah. this, you know, not some like little dinky thing. Yeah. So. But uh, you don't want to be on like the sub account. You want to be on the main account, you, right? That's, yeah. yeah, you don't want to. Like, the good thing is we don't have any sub accounts. You, you don't so want to be good. on the fan account. You want to no. be on like the actual person. Yeah, like, well, you, you want the one with the blue check. That's or it. well, do we have? I don't. We have. We don't you can have. Buy blue. it now. I yeah. think. So. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that's, I'll pass on that. But may, unless unless it provides more security, then maybe I'll maybe I'll look into that a little bit. But because some until someone does a hack account on you and like starts. Some random phone. That's when you know you made it. That's that, someone's hacking your account. Yeah. So if it, that that would be the one thing. So hopefully that never happens because that would really stink. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I definitely I definitely think there's a lot of opportunities there, and and it's something that is is really fun um, for the kids to enjoy. And like I said, all the reactions when I show like you're right when I show up to sporting events now, it's like oh Joey's here. Like that's cool. That's really cool to me. And after games, like kids are goofy and they feel comfortable around me too. Yeah. Like how many times can you have a kid who really for the most part doesn't know you at all other than they might see stuff on my Instagram page or the section seven Instagram page. That's how they know me. Um, 
other than that, they, they don't know really much about me, and but they know enough. Yeah. And they know enough to feel comfortable. But I think if you give kids the time of day where you, you spend time, you talk yeah. to them, you, you try to build them up and you yeah. try to make it fun, like they, yeah. the kids respond, people respond to that in general. Oh, but I, I had a full conversation with a kid yesterday at a tennis match who maybe I've talked to like once or twice. I had like an in-depth conversation with him. Like he, he, he shared a lot yeah. and like nothing bad or anything. But yeah. he, I said, where are you going? To? I literally asked, I said, where are you going to college? And he said, oh, I'm going to Plattsburgh State. And I said, oh, cool. And then we talked for like 15 minutes about yeah. life. Yeah. And it was great. And and that's the type of stuff like just from, I might not be in a classroom, but if I can have an impact on kids in different ways like that Absolutely. too, I'll do it. Why not? And and I, I told him, I said, hey, if you, if you want, like you might not be able to do it like right away, but if you want to take my sports reporting class eventually, he's like, oh, could I do that? I said, well, yeah, like it's there. You're in I there. said, you just have to, you just have to get some prerequisites in there. That's <laughs> all. So it's really, it's really fun though. And I think that's, that's the neat part is just being able to connect with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joey Lafoto, let's uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there. But uh, I, I I love what you're doing, and uh, like I said, I, I based on your your stuff here and what I see online, I'm like I figured I was looking forward to this one. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really happy that you had me on. I'm glad we could chat. And um, from one person who's who's made their, I mean, you have you have certainly made your mark uh, right through the North Country, and you stayed here, and you found ways to have success. And um, for a lot of people uh, who might not look at this area in that way. Like there are a lot of opportunities here Mm -hmm. and whether you're talking about just the the greater Plattsburgh area or the North country as a whole, that there's so many different chances to have success in whatever career path you want to have. And um, I think the more people who realize that, I think that'll make our community even better. But I, I, I really appreciate you having me on. And this was yeah. this was great. And the time flew. The time flew. It did. I, w- I won't tell you a lot. Maybe I'll have you guess afterwards to see what you okay. think. Okay, I haven't think, looked at my think, watch, think so I really don't is, know. But, uh, <laughs> no, you, uh, no, this is great. Like I said, I, anybody, if you want to check uh, Joey out, I'll put some stuff on the show notes. But again, Section 7, V-I-I, Roman numeral, um, on Facebook. And then, yeah, obviously, Joey LaFranca Photography. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you see him... Um, We'll get a photo so you guys know what he looks like. So, but but hunt him down. Maybe have him take a be be real of right. Be yes, real? Uh, yeah. Be there real. we go. I feel yeah. more hip now. So. I mean, or I could just take a regular photo of of us together, like whatever you want. I mean, I feel like that's very funny when somebody comes up to when I'm holding a multi thousand dollar camera and somebody goes, "Can you take a picture with my cell phone?" I was like, "Sure, fine." Yeah, <laughs> like whatever. Be real because we're hip. Yeah, we're cool. So, <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's it. Episode two thirty one of the Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thank you for listening to The Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.